Some movies make you feel good Some movies make you sick But the best movies come in threes Baby, let's take a trip tick Cryptic is a movie podcast. We watch movies that are three of them. Happy Odinia. Yeah. What? It's a, what, it's what, a, what, what? What's going on here? So yeah, Dune totally ripped that off, right? When they're just like dreams or things, right? And it beats the Sadakar going. Uh, I mean, I guess so. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke said Dune is what, he, what, the Lord of the Rings of sci-fi. What, what was that voice, though, that you were just doing? Oh, you know, Elvish. Sindarin. You, you, I think Elvish you, Elvish is the original ASMR, right? You you were speaking Elvish in yes. front of me. Yeah. This, you see this? This is why nerds get wedgied and shoved into lockers. You know, Sam, get over here. No, no, <laughs> Hey, 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 Briggs, you know, I'm wearing my contact lenses, so the only one with glasses is you. <laughs> I don't need neither. Welcome to Triptych. I'm Christopher Kreider. I'm Chris Briggs. I'm Sam Sterling. We're at Team Insomniac, and uh, in honor of the 20-year anniversary of The Fellowship of the Ring, we watched uh, little trilogies of movies you might have heard of called The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Circles. Yeah. Yeah, um, Sam, I know you're excited. Oh, I am beyond excited. I, I, I love these movies. I love the books. I, I, like, Lord of the Rings got me to really start reading. Like, I was struggling with Harry Potter when I was a kid, and when I first saw Fellowship of the Ring, I was like, I have to read these books. And that's when I just started going through Tolkien like crazy. I've read the the trilogy. I've read The Hobbit. I even read The Silmarillion. So I know my Lord of the Rings inside and out. So you, you started with the movies then. Oh, yeah. I started with the movies, like Fellowship. And then I was like, I got to know what happens next. I can't wait for these films. Well, these <laughs> came out when we were nine. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I could barely read. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't much of a reader as a kid. I was a Harry Potter kid. I tried to read but, Harry uh, Potter. Like, I think like my, my parents tried to get me to read and focus. And Harry Potter was what they tried to do. But I just couldn't get into it as much as I could with Lord of the Rings. I think I got through like the first two books, skipped Azkaban, and then we did uh, Goblet of Fire. And uh, I then... don't, yeah, I don't think I brought it up, but Frankenstein was actually one of the first books I was able to read. See, I tried to read Frankenstein as a kid, but it was too dry. Couldn't finish it. It's very dry. Actually, it... I barely got it anywhere into it. Same with Dracula. There's no lightning. It's an it's an old style of writing, you know, eighteen hundreds. I mean, and Tolkien's writing is also somewhat kind of uh, archaic in a way. It's Antiquated. a little yeah. It's uh, also very very detailed. Like the walks through the woods have a lot, a lot, a lot of detail to them. All right. I just uh, was looking at my notes today, and all I wrote down was long bottom leaf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so, um, so you know. Sam and Kreider are definitely Lord of the Rings fans. I mean, like, I I always say I am, but this is actually my second time watching the second and third movies. Like I watched Fellowship a few times. Oh wow, really? Oh, so same here then. Yeah, because yeah. like this is this is my first time watching the trilogy, just in general in 
I think over a decade. Because, you know, like, I, I've never really been much of a fantasy fan growing up. Like, as a kid, I was always more into horror and sci-fi and shit like that. And it's like, you know, I was always aware of Lord of the Rings growing up. But it wasn't until I was, like, in, I want to say, like, probably, like, late high school years, early, early, early college years, something like that. It was in, I, like, I, we were living in the house in Plantation, where uh nice. on the lake when uh that uh, you guys when i first started hanging out with you guys that was where we were that was a stage of, of life when i first really sat down and watched these movies and uh and you know i liked them thought they were cool it's like okay cool i can finally cross that off of the list I but remember, um yeah i never really felt compelled to go back to them. I never really felt much of a rush to go back to them. So this was a lot more fun of a revisit than I was anticipating. Like, I feel like I appreciated these movies a lot more now than I did all those years ago. So, yeah, like, I saw, I loved Lord of the Rings when they came out. I was in elementary school. <laughs> and I had this book that was, like, a making of, and it talked about Peter Jackson's early movies. So as a teenager, I was obsessed with early Peter Jackson, the Bad mm-hmm. Taste, the Meet the Feebles, the uh, Brain Dead or Dead Alive. What an interesting combination to put uh, Tolkien with, uh, you know, someone who is basically an indie horror action kind of guy. It worked out pretty well, you know. It's the same thing with like, hey, why would the guy who did Evil Dead do a good Spider-Man movie? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so true. These are very Sam Raimi inspired and. Um, Oh, I can see that for sure. Oh, yeah. Very we'll, Army of Darkness. We'll go into them in detail as we go yes, on, but definitely like, there's I, a I lot of Army of Darkness. Especially during uh, Battle of Helm's Deep in Two Towers. Like, not just because it's a nighttime set army with these spooky-looking monster-looking things fighting to get it over the wall, but uh, just in general, like, that felt very much like the ending of the most inferior Evil Dead movie, in my opinion. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I mean, favorite. it's not the... Even then, it's still pretty good, you know? It's all right. I'd watch any Evil Dead movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Best, worst day fishing is better than my best day working. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. But, um... Were you going to ask is... me something, Crowder? What? I thought you were going to ask me something. Is there any stories you want to talk about your experience with Tolkien otherwise? Oh, yeah. Like, Tolkien got me into fantasy, like, in general, like, yeah, writing. the fantasy guy if you can never see the full logo for the show. And, of course, you know, aside from seeing uh from 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 reading the books i also would watch the extended cuts like i just take days to watch the extended cuts over and over again and watch the behind the scenes over and over again like the extended cuts had copious amounts of behind the scenes documentaries we're from doing the theatrical cuts by the way we're doing the theatrical cuts yes but i would watch like the wetter workshop stuff the costume designs the miniatures or uh as well as like tolkien and the influences that came to him just all sorts of crazy things i'll get into as we go into each movie in depth and you know piggybacking off of that actually going back and watching these movies again actually made like by the time i finished return of the king the other day i actually was like you know what i kind of do want to go out of my way to actually find the extended box set mostly so that I can get all the bonus feature content that I've heard so much about over the years because it's like, you know, we only own the movies on DVD and uh, so it's like, you know, I want to, in general, upgrade those to Blu-ray at some point but I also want 
to see how they made all this shit too. I don't understand how they shot all three movies at once in 1997. See that that's another thing that blows me away too is how advanced of a film series it is and it was shot in the 90s. Like they what were, the hell? They were shooting blind with some of that stuff I imagine. Like some of it for sure shooting, out shooting from the hip. There's <laughs> a lot of special effects material that had, they had to come back to later. I know and it's kind of like how you know, the story of the first Star Wars movie, but that was just one movie. This was three movies that they're, like, kind of seated their pants, like, hopefully it'll work out in post. Filming, like, took, like, a year and a half for all these things. Just Which... goes to show that New Line Cinema in the mid-90s had way more balls to take risks than 20th Century Fox did in the 70s. <laughs> and yet, you know, they wouldn't let Freddy fight Ash. Yeah. fuck? Another thing about Lord of the Rings... Uh, you know, like, it is kind of interesting how this also came from the same studio who, not a year before, released Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, God. Dungeons and Dragons is just a warm-up, you know? That's a good movie, dude. A very, very sloppy, still raw, needs more cooking warm-up. That guy who was, like, the lead, do you remember when he was just always, like, the teenage son no. in, like, Disney movies? There's that movie where the Pink Ranger was, like, a, a, the ghost of a cheerleader who died. In a car crash? No. She came back to go to her prom with him? No. That warm-up, to me, just from hearing the reactions from Sam, it feels like one of those warm-ups you do in the microwave where you fill your dish with food, you put it in the microwave, and then you take it out, and the dish is hot as fuck, but then the contents are ice cold. Exactly. That's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> that was another, that, you know, but that is another movie where, like, in post-production, they were supposed to have a lot more than they did. So if you watch all the deleted scenes, it's like, yeah, we're supposed to have a scene where a dragon comes out, but we couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah. what is it? a cool dragon, Dungeons and Dragons Wraith, but we couldn't afford it. There's like, like an important exposition scene that gets cut because they didn't have the special effects to yeah, do it. Like, yeah, it's pretty. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. So Peter Jackson it. had to come in and do it better. Yes. I mean, t technically by the time Dungeons and Dragons was shot, he had already probably shot lord of the rings yeah probably they were like we're gonna show this new zealander how it's done the american way we got jeremy irons <laughs> we got the riffraff from rocky horror picture show <laughs> and what an amazing turnout it is that these lord of the rings films came out because i mean if if no, uh, fuck it, we're talking about dungeons and dragons now oh which had a better dwarf <laughs> gimli but uh it yeah. is kind of interesting how like you know like lord of the rings did have an animated like trilogy essentially made before this and it is Did not they ever really well do the two towers? Yeah, yeah, it's in the it's in the same one with Fellowship with Ralph Bakshi. Oh, so he just kind of lopped those both together? Yes. The idea was originally he would do that like and then he would do a two-parter with the rest of two towers and then also return the king into in part 2, which of course never happened. Ooh. <laughs> and so Rick and Bass did return to the king. Because they did so well with The Hobbit. Okay. Yeah, so Ralph actually did a Lord of the Rings that uh, I could never get through because uh, he really doesn't seem to give a shit about recording dialogue. <laughs> he, reco uh, he recorded it in the lunchroom. Yeah, <laughs> with one recorder. It's just like echoey and shit. And just like, hey, everybody, it's me, Aragorn. I have this one right here. And, I'm going to help Frodo get out of this one. And oh, I dear, Mr. Frodo. What are you ever gonna do? Who is me? Uh, <laughs> Look, I love I Ralph I love Ralph actually Ralph, if you ever like hear this, like I love you man, but 
<laughs> but uh, that movie is not very good. <laughs> but you did a better job with Fire and Ice, so don't don't feel too bad. I like Wizards. Wizards is a classic. Yeah, Wizards. Briggs, you got to watch Wizards. Sam, Sam and I were actually talking about like we should try to do a Ralph Bakshi trilogy at some point, maybe in twenty twenty two. Yes. There's a few potential. Yeah, yeah there's we like could a, talk about that. There's like a fantasy trilogy. There's a street trilogy. I guess this is our last podcast of twenty twenty one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And this is episode lucky seven. Nice. Of the of the trilogy guy of, ah, of our fun. series guys seven. Which is uh, the it, amount of days it takes to watch the extended cut. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing, too, like, how major, like, this series caught on, you know. Not just commercially. I mean, like, yeah, it's big and bombastic enough to draw in the billions of dollars that it made at the box office. But also, critically and like with awards and stuff like these I know movies, Return of the King won like thirteen Academy Awards. Yeah, let's, isn't it still like unsurpassed? Like the record. Like, yeah. like, let's take a moment on that really quick, guys, because like let, let like let's think about fantasy films before Lord of the Rings. Not a lot of strong entries. Like, mm-hmm. there's of course fun ones, maybe you know, that are a little corny. Yeah. Princess Bride is Princess fun. Princess Bride's Labyrinth. Classic. Labyrinth. Excalibur Dark, looks good. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal, although Krull. not a huge success, that one. I like Krull. Another not success. It's like fantasy films were more like like cult classic fare. You know, yeah, like they were strangely they, low budget. They know? weren't really greatly made movies most of the times. And a lot of times they just kind of like they would come and go and fall into obscurity. And now you have like these like little pocket fandoms that are really dedicated to these movies, but it's still very limited at the same time. But Lord of the Rings though Lord of the Rings like rewrote it and like, now holy like, shit. Yeah, the, they'll, it, they'll, they'll do epic yeah, stories it, now to try to It gave fantasy a new life to 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 be sure. And notice like right at like immediately not in and not even immediately after Lord of the Rings ended. Yeah, like Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. Well no, that was a few that was a couple years later, but the same year Return of the King came out, you get Pirates of the Caribbean, which I feel has very strong fantasy roots as well. At least it has Orlando Bloom for sure. I have yeah, Orlando, about that one. Orlando Bloom, but it's like, you know, like I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean as a trilogy would probably not have worked as well had Lord of the Rings not come out and become the juggernaut right out of the gate that it did. It was definitely way more Lord of the Rings than like real piratey. That yeah. is that is another thing that Lord of the Rings inspired was that in the early 2000s there was this kind of like marketing attempt much like how their cinematic universes there was an attempt at trilogies being marketed. The Matrix got a trilogy, Pirates got a trilogy. You know, there there were a couple attempts at being like big market success trilogies. Blade became a trilogy. Blade, Spider-Man, <laughs> mhm. Yeah. X-Men Dark Knight was very late to that one. I know most many trilogies we we might not re- we might not visit because they're not great. Yeah, but like uh, Aragon, they tried to do an Aragon. Well, Aragon is uh, just a dumb Lord of the Rings um, ripoff anyway. The book yeah. or the both. Ooh. <laughs> um. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia was another one that I said the Land the Witch and the Wardrobe. Well, yeah, but it's like that one. They, uh, yeah, they tried to push that piggybacking off of what Sam was saying. It's like that one was the one they tried to hype up as a trilogy. Like, well, there's they like seven books, right? Yes, it's and a they, seven books, and they only got around to doing three of them. Only two of which had theatrical releases, I think. Because really, I think the third uh, Chronicles of Narnia may have been straight to 
in DVD or straight. That or can't be the possible? Case. No, I think Voyage of the Dawn Treader got put in did it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Of course it did. Huh. Maybe it just didn't really make as they much of a splash. Would, no, it did. If it was going to be direct-to-video, they just wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Maybe for you it was direct-to-video. Maybe. like Because, like, cause, you know, I liked those movies. Like, yeah, but sometimes you go to right. the mall and there just used to be movies. It's like, oh, well, I'm not going to see that. And then nobody did. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know what, though? We're about uh, 16 and a half minutes through this intro, and we've got a lot of, even with just theatrical, we yeah, have we a, lot a lot of movie to discuss. So, so I think we're going to go ahead and dive into... A long-expected uh, party. Yeah, Fellowship. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing Sam's intros to all three of these. So. And uh, just so you guys know, this is only going to be the theatrical cut of the podcast episode. Maybe we'll do an extended cut of the episode. Yes. yes. <laughs> It'll be out exactly a year after this one drops, just exactly. like all of the movies. To celebrate the Two Towers one. And which, then we'll have an even longer cut for Return of the King, much like the Blu-ray has an even longer extended which, cut. Which, before we actually get into the trilogy, one thing I actually noticed in, after I finished watching the movies and I went back and started reading up on like material that was included in the extended versions and stuff like that, one thing I noticed and thought was interesting is um, how Peter Jackson actually prefers the theatrical cuts to the extended versions. I win. I consider myself validated. <laughs> oh, but oh, you know, okay. but at the same time, though, <laughs> at the same time, though, I find it very interesting because that pretty much because you know, even though he prefers the theatrical cuts, which already is interesting when you know you have filmmakers out there like James Cameron who like is right, all about the right, director's cut touch. and stuff like that like he comp- like my favorite quote is that um he considers aliens extended cut uh uh something of uh, as like a couple miles of bad road or something like that or something like that but it's like you know you have filmmakers like James Cameron that are all about the director's cut and whatnot like the abyss director's cut is almost like a Lord of the Rings length yeah. uh, director's cut. But at the same time, though, Peter Jackson, you know, he prefers the theatrical versions. However, he still went out of his way to shoot enough material to make these long uh, extended versions, which to me just screams the ultimate version of fan service. It's like, you know, he prefers this other more trimmed down uh, version of the trilogy but he still went and made these movies the way he did for the fans that he knew would eat this shit up i also think it's an editing thing like you know when you're trying to make a theatrical cut you have to it can only be so fucking long so yeah. like he just he, this this there are things that had to be excised i don't think he was shooting it with the intent of like oh i'll make a nice extended version <laughs> and if to- they weren't successful it wouldn't have mattered and yeah. then there's directors like Zack Snyder who do these ultra long mega cuts. Oh god! They call that their dream, and really, there re- there does come a point where artistic, I guess you could say, like overreach, just have to be pulled back. Yeah, yeah. if the internet whines about something for long enough, it will happen. Yeah, you will redesign Sonic. Sonic, you will release the <laughs> Snyder cut. Watch, we're gonna get the. The uh the cut the for uh Suicide Squad next the original Suicide Squad oh who gives oh, a shit, gives a shit. <laughs> nobody cares nobody right. cares let's get into this yeah let's go the Lord of the Rings the Fellowship of the Ring Frodo 
a plucky 30-something hobbit discovers that the magic ring left to him by his uncle Bilbo is, in fact, evil. And that evil wants their property back. To avoid legal issues, Bilbo's old smoking buddy, Gandalf, Tip makes him skip town and go on the run with only his drinking buddies for help. After speaking to a council of rich dudes, it is decided that destroying the ring in its owner's house would be a sick prank, bro. Unfortunately, things get messy when some bros die in the quest for the prank, and Frodo goes his separate way with only one of his surviving drinking buddies. It's <laughs> not <laughs> so just his drinking buddy, it's his gardener. Yeah, no, it is. His gardener. drinking gardener. <laughs> his trusty drinking gardener. Guys, I want to be a hobbit. <laughs> Hobbits really do have it really chill and easy, don't they? They just like this whole world is like a constant turmoil, and they're just like, oh, it's time to eat and smoke again. But you just ate, <laughs> and I just smoked. But I'm gonna smoke, and then I'm gonna eat again. Well, you know, it's it's pretty easy when you when you're basically protected by rangers on your borders. We need second breakfast. Yeah, dude. The life of a hobbit, that's life for me, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, the Fellowship of the Ring. Do you guys remember where you were in 2001? Oh, uh, man, I was with my dad. My dad is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I'm, I'm sh- like, 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 he loves Lord of the Rings. He was really excited for these movies when they were coming out. He would show me the trailer. And, of course, this was, like, early 2000s internet, where we'd have to wait a good long time for the trailer to boot up for us to watch again. I remember my uncle trying to describe the plot to me and i was like what <laughs> i i was in fourth grade when me too we all when, uh, i was old. in i was in fourth grade and my marvel fandom was kicking into high gear with the release of spider-man oh wow what, oh, a, good, yeah. what a good year oh yeah it was 2001 Wait. with spider-man no because... no spider-man came out in 2002 and so I was seeing the trailers for Spider-Man in 2001 in and case, being like, oh, okay. holy shit, this looks so much cooler than everything else going on this year. <laughs> I just remember because it's the, the two towers yeah, trailer they to that they had the, to cut. Yeah, they had to edit out the twin towers from mm-hmm. Spider-Man. But uh, yeah, I was getting... And Lloyd Kaufman was like, we kept the twin towers in our, <laughs> in our citizen, citizen uh, toxie movie, which is like, yeah, you can afford to. But like, um, so yeah, so my, so I, so I had just seen, I was going head over heels in love with Spider-Man at that point. So I didn't give a shit about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I was excited. I liked fantasy. I liked Harry Potter. This seemed like in the same vein, but it's a um, way darker, way more grimy. Yeah. Way more. The orcs, the orcs are bad. They got to the trolls are like way more just big like, and bulbousy. I feel like Two Towers is grimier. Like oh, Two Towers is grimier. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like compared to Harry Potter, it is grimier. Fellowship oh, of the yeah. Ring, like when they're going into the mines of Moria. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sweet, man. And of course, you have like, of course, the ending where Gandalf is like fighting the giant fiery fucking the thing. Balrog. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> Balrog. You shall not pass. Man, dude, the designs of this movie are so amazing. Like the Balrogs, the trolls, the orcs, they're so like, you know, like this is the grandfather of modern day fantasy, but Jackson brings such a unique vision to it that is so unlike anything that were that people were expected to in fantasy at the time. Yeah, we talked about it like um back when, you know, before the internet gave you a lot of stuff, you'd watch the Super Bowl even if you weren't a sports fan just to get like trailers. Yeah. Oh and yeah. And they had the clip of the troll coming into the mines of Moria. It's like such uh I was so psyched, man, and this movie did not disappoint at all. No, it does not. It's a it's a perfect example of 
certain hype, like it living up to the hype. Because it's like, you know, like, what do we have for reference for Tolkien up to this point? Like adapted Tolkien. Oh, let's see. Cartoons. Yeah, we we have the three cartoon movies. There's The Hobbit by Rankin-Bass. There's Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, which is Fellowship and Two Towers in One. And then there's Rankin-Bass again doing Return of the King. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. never been a live action Tolkien adaptation up until now. Not, not up until then. Exactly. No. So it's they like wanted to do one with the Beatles. They wanted the 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 Ralph Bakshi one was also going to be kind of live actiony. Like there was a lot of debate on if that was going to be live action or animated during its making. But yeah, so it's like, but the, still, so it's like that's really all we have to go off of with Tolkien up to this point in terms of like adapted Tolkien. So it's like it's a I I consider it a miracle that this thing became as much of a juggernaut right out of the gate as no, it did. Like, what if it wasn't successful? What would they have done with the footage for the other two movies? That's a good question. That's why I give so much credit to Fellowship for like getting people interested in the franchise. Cause yeah, because like, we were all excited for the sequel. If that movie did not work, no one would care. It, it would be like how Matrix Reloaded wasn't enough for people to go see Matrix Revolutions. Damn. <laughs> I mean, they still made Matrix Revolutions, though. Yeah, but it didn't do very well, did it? I don't know. Because they were, well, they made Reloaded and Revolutions at the same time. You know? oh, yeah, but okay. then they, they also made the mistake there of releasing both movies in the same year, too. Yeah, that was also a big problem. Which is why they were barred from the Oscars, I believe, in 2004, is because it's like, oh, fuck, you, you have an unfair advantage. Two movies in one year? Fuck you. Well, so, what were they going to be nominated for? sound Te- technical shit yeah who gives a shit yeah sci-fi in the mid-2000s well, well i mean well i mean the first matrix has the distinction of being the first movie to dethrone star wars from the visual effects category so but at the same time though this came out in two reloaded and revolutions came out in 03 the same year as return of the king so there's no way it would have won yeah they would anyhow fucked just speaking of oscar winners fucking return of the king which yeah. we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come I'm to it but even there. still though fellowship fellowship still decent... won good oscar wins here i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna look so. up the accolades real quick like it's because, see, it's like I mentioned in the intro, it's amazing that this series not only was as big of a hit uh, financially with audi- and with audiences as it was, but also critically and in terms of awards. Like, holy shit, like, these movies blew up. Like, like okay, here, I've got, oh, there. there's a whole Wikipedia article for just the awards won by these movies. Hell yeah. So let's see. Fellowship of the Ring, how many Oscars did it get nominated for? 13 nominations and it won four of them. What did it win? It won at the Academy Awards. It won Best Cinematography. It won, rightfully so, Best Makeup and Original Score. Hell yeah. Nice. And it won Best Visual Effects. Nice. Good. I'm going to keep this article pulled up. For... Yeah, keep that up. Good old Horner, also, the music. Like, he does a fantastic job of making, like, specific themes for each character and for each faction and for mm-hmm. each moment. Like, you know, you know when the elves are coming based on the music. You know when the hobbits are coming, when is their music. And The ring itself has its own kind of... Mm-hmm. The ring itself has its own. And, of course, the Nazgul have their own terrifying theme when they're riding anytime. Fucking Nazgul are the shit, man. The Nazgul are great. Yeah. The ring rates. Ah, so, the yeah, rates, so. yes. Plot synopsis if you haven't seen it. Bilbo Baggins is a... He's an aging thief 
<laughs> it's uh, it's his one hundred and eleventh birthday, but he looks about fifty. Yep, that ring keeps him going. That ring keeps him young, and he's uh, he's decided I'm going to leave my town and everybody in it by pretending to disappear on stage. It's also Frodo's thirty third birthday at the same time. It's his, it's Frodo's birthday. Yeah, it's also his Frodo's birthday. Happy birthday, nephew! Go fuck yourself! I'm leaving. I'm disappearing. So the the ring is like a birthday present. Fuck, yeah. Fuck you, indeed. Well, that and the and bag end the manor. Okay. I mean, it's a cool house to get. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Which kind of small, you know, brings me to the uh, a technical point. The way I I am in love with the way Jackson shot this movie with the forced perspective photography like to yeah. get the hobbits and get and especially shooting in a set built as small as bag end but then like it gets bigger on the other side so that it looks like he's sitting in a chair right across from him it's exactly <laughs> it's like michelle gondry did shit like that it was like but also that i love when for close-ups of hands, you can tell it's like a child's hand. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, or that it's like a, a little person who's Frodo and Sam in, in, a, in a wide shot. It looks like children because they don't have like weirdly proportioned bodies. But then there's other times where it's like Elijah Wood's head like on top of a child. <laughs> That's more in return. The, the, the force perspective is very impressive in this movie. Like this it, it, what makes these movies work so well when there's so many characters of different sizes running around. But they, like, get around that, like we said, by doing really just strong close-ups, you know, and just, like, not letting it get in the way of the drama. Yeah. So it's, like, they're very subtle, just, like, only in the wide shots when they have to interact or something. It's really good, though. You don't don't notice it for a long time. I really just thought Elijah Wood was, like, a really little dude. (laughs) (laughs) Along with uh, all the other people. Well, Sean Bean is kind of small. Not Sean Bean. Um, Sean Sean Astin. Sean Astin, yeah. Sean Bean's. A man. Yeah. Yeah. A very dead man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sean Bean's been Sean Beaned. Yep. <laughs> he got beaned. <laughs> Sean Bean getting Sean Bean before that was a thing. It's a, It helped establish it. it you it, know, like... Boromir's the only one of the main group that dies. Pussy. I, I think it's... it was still of... Uh, not until Game of Thrones where that became like a bigger joke, but definitely that kind of is the starter. I mean, well, uh, even before then, I mean, he was a, he was the villain in GoldenEye. He was the villain in Patriot Games. I'm not just, saying that it didn't or happen. Like a, it's just he that. dies in the first act of um, Equilibrium. <laughs> yeah, Equilibrium. <laughs> He's like a really nice dude who's like, I read a book. And Christian Bale's like, you have to die for reading that book. <laughs> Dumb. Dumb. It's a good movie, Equilibrium. No, it's not. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so but, Christian uh, Bale's in a future where nobody can see, so they take prosium. No, they can, nobody can feel, so, so they in, take prosium. So in Fellowship of the Ring, it turns out that <laughs> the ring is in fact evil, and it belongs to a Dark Lord by the name of Sauron. So why did it take this I long thought, for it to wake up? Uh, well, I mean, you know, like, it wasn't really awake or anything like that. Uh, it, it, like... What do you mean when you say that to, to wake why up? Is it hap- why is everything happening now? Because uh, the Nazgul kidnapped, captured Gollum, and Gollum told them that someone by the name of Baggins stole the ring. Why didn't they kidnap Gollum before? Because Gollum was uh, being held prisoner by the elves before then. 
Why were the elves holding Gollum prisoner? Because See, I'm, they wanted I'm totally, to keep him safe from the Dark Lord so that they couldn't tell. See, I'm totally going to just sit back for moments like this. <laughs> I'm just, okay. Let Sam go off. He He's fully prepared for this. I'm ready for my Lord of the Rings debate for all of the plot holes you he, think like exist. Were, he is our licensed professional. Bring me the Eagles question. I'm ready. I don't ready. give a crap about the Eagles. I Honestly, it comes down to it's like they didn't want to help. <laughs> which is like, okay, so they're assholes. I could accept that as an answer. They were also being attacked too, and what they were helping they in battles. You know, it would have really helped the battles. You fucking destroying this ring, <laughs> like ASAP. Well, that wouldn't have worked entirely because Sauron would see them coming. Because he's a giant eyeball. Yes. Anyway, because he sees all. Yeah, okay. 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 <laughs> yes. I I support this, Sam. Thank you. Thank Keep you. going. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, so we, you know, and, uh, Bilbo, he stole this ring from Gollum a long time ago by being just a, an asshole. You know, he said it was through riddling, but it's like, no, he, he tricked him. Yeah, he just <laughs> took it. Yeah, it's not a riddle when you say, what do I got in my pocket? What do I have in my pocket? <laughs> not fun. Yeah. But although to be fair in the scene, uh, like, even though I know it's not a riddle, but Gollum does say, uh, like, in in the scene itself, uh, Bilbo's like, I can't think of any more riddles. I don't know. And Gollum's like, then fine, just ask us a question then. Oh, okay. Well, a Gollum fucked up. Yep. You're right. I'm on Bilbo's side again. Okay. So anyway, Bilbo leaves his magical ring. Told you I'm ready. To Frodo. <laughs> I just, I'm trying to get clarification here. I still don't know why the Nazgul let, they could have just gotten the ring from Gollum. They didn't get the ring from Gollum. What are you talking about? They could have, well, he was chilling with it for decades. Yeah, they didn't know that. They didn't okay. know he was there. Uh, the Nazgul, by the way, suck at their job. Yeah. <laughs> They're always like flying over and it's like, oh, hide. And they just, and they, and they just don't see them. They just don't see them. And even before that, they're just riding along, and they're like, hide, and they're like, uh, oh, well, nothing here. I thought they could smell the ring. Yeah, like, that. Like, like they hear the ring, although it's not as strong when they're not wearing it, so, I mean, you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, of course, the, these not, and the Nazgul are, of course, you know, the, the cursed nine men uh, who that, that the ring ultimately controls. What happened to the to the guys with the dwarves? Okay, so in the in the lore, going backwards, so the nine rings given to men were of different kings in the West, and they were all turned into Nazgul one by one. One was like of Numenorian descent. He becomes the Witch King. One is an Easterling by the name of Kamul. One of the few that we actually know the names of. And then for the dwarves, now the dwarves, they were... St- sturdy and hardy enough to not actually be like possessed by the ring's power so instead they just became greedy and eventually wars for like treasure with orcs and goblins like many of the kings died off uh a couple of the rings actually got eaten by dragons cool and then eventually and then the remaining ones were taken by sauron oh okay so they just collected them like uh thorin's grandfather had a ring and he lost it in the the battles of moria Mm, okay what about um the infant, like, you know, the soul stone. The Arkenstone? <laughs> no, okay. Oh, and, so. then, and then finally, the elven rings. Those still exist. Uh, to, to put it short, the elven rings were made uh, without Sauron, Sauron's knowing. He was hel- he had an elf who made magic rings help him, but he caught on to Sauron's plan, and he made the elven rings kind of separately and away from Sauron's ultimate power and ability to control. And they're still kind of used by different characters. 
Uh, Galadriel has one of them, the Ring of Water. Uh, Elrond has one, the Ring of the Air. He's able to like have the gift of foresight and stuff like, and powers like that. Oh, that's why he's like, that future is fading. Exactly. Okay. And then Gandalf has the Ring of Fire. And it was because these rings were made separate from Sauron's power that Elrond wasn't corrupted until he was uploaded into the Matrix. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And he multiplied himself all this time. <laughs> and, why Gandalf, and, why, and why Gandalf was only uh, like later to you know, come to hate humanity and want to fight for a world of mutants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, only not until the 21st century. He had lived for far too long. And then Galadriel obviously was like, I like this ring. I'm going to now go get a crystal skull. No, Galad- Galadriel's was like, I'm going to go get my hammer back from my fucking shithead brother. Oh, there we go. That's more popular. You're right. <laughs> All right. Both, so. both scenarios work, though, I think. I think it's, uh, it's just that the uh, the crystal skull one just has way more communism involved. <laughs> so we can all agree that Viggo Morenstein is way too handsome in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Way too handsome. He's distracting. I mean, you can't. He walks into a bar and everyone's like, "Well, there's the king." <laughs> you can't hide no. out as the king. No, I'm. I, I'm not. What Come on, talking, guys. What are you talking about? He he doesn't look kingly. He looks like a drab ranger, like he is. No, he looks like a, a guitarist in like one of the bands Briggs likes. <laughs> essentially rangers in the shire area are essentially like the cops so basically oh, like he's oh you always get out of here i don't like hobbits on account of i'm racist we're dabbing in here now so yeah okay so at some point Gollum just reveals that yeah, so he... he knew that that bilbo was in the shire well he didn't know bilbo was in the shire he just knew like the name uh he said Shire Baggins. Yeah, he learned that eventually in his travels. Like, Was he going for the ring? Yeah, he was going for the ring. So was Gollum he... was after... God, after imagine, a... imagine if Gollum just showed up in the Shire one day, what all these fucking hobbits would think seeing this creature. Yeah, he just loves his raw fish. <laughs> I mean, he's basically coming home. Because if you recall, Gollum is uh, a hobbit himself. Yeah, he's that legendary murderer who strangled his he strangled his brother oh, for Smeagol. a ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Smeagol and Deagle. More, Smeagol uh, and Deagle. More obvious uh, Catholic Christian influences from uh, Tolkien. Oh, yeah, it is a Cain and Abel thing. Yeah. So, what's the ring in the Cain and Abel story? Oh, you know, the that love thing. of God. The favor of the Lord. So, Sauron is God. Yeah, you could say that. Gotcha. Which means this is a quest to, to kill, kill God. God. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Like, like every good story, it's all about killing God. <laughs> like some clarification, Sauron is what's called like a Maiar. Yeah, Sauron is closer to like a Satanist, but like a really powerful Satanist because there is a Lucifer type figure who yeah, Sauron he, follows. Exactly. He's a fallen angel type. Like in simpler ter- in simplest terms for the cosmology, there's... Uh, there's a god of the universe, uh, Eru Iluvatar. Then there's the Valar, who are like gods of different components of the world and have made different po- components of the world, such as the seas and the beasts and all that. And then below that are the ones that serve them, called the Maiar, which are what Gandalf is, uh, Saruman, Sauron, even the Balrogs are corrupted Maiar. So the Balrog is just overcompensating. Yes, exactly. He's like, I want my body to be a big flaming guy with horns and a whip. Yeah, the Maiar, they're, they're, they're assumed to be kind of like shapeshifters, so they can take on whatever shape they want. So Gandalf just is like, I wish to look like 
the Grim Reaper from Last Action Hero. Who played him? <laughs> Ian McKellen? Yes, yes. I shall be Ian McKellen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what that's the only other performance prior to this I can think of with Ian McKellen. Was that really was Last Action Hero really prior? Yes. Huh. What do you mean? Last Action Hero was like years before yeah, dude, that was like Lord of the Rings. That was, that was like, like 94, late, I think. Yeah, late, oh, yeah. shit. Okay. I didn't know. I don't like that movie very much, so. You yeah, know. no, it's not that great. Oh, come on. It's written by Shane Black. That's not a saying shit. a lot, dude. It used, it so used many, to be. He it to, used to mean something. Now he's written <laughs> so many worse films. It was written by the prestigious creator of The Predator. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yes. But anyway, uh,. But yeah, so there, so so you know, like we're dealing with some bad, bad, bad creatures in the universe, like, and hobbits are just like we're just trying to chill. Yeah, they are literally just vibing. They just want to vibe in a world full of evil and trying to take over the universe. Frodo, I love. He's a character whose whole arc is like, I wish this was over. <laughs> this is something that I, you I'm know, very tired. He's the Shin. He's the Shinji. Something. <laughs> Okay, fuck you. <laughs> that, that, like, that is from, fantastic. From the, from the bottom of my heart, <laughs> fuck you for that comparison. <laughs> that garbage. That, that is so good. I love that. Garbage. Is, that is the best comparison I've ever heard, and I 100% endorse this. That is not an apt comparison. No, it's amazing. She's a little bitch that, that barely gets the job done at any point. Destroy Frodo. the ring, Shinji. And, God damn it. And Frodo, Frodo was, does not get the job done <laughs> frodo, frodo still is doing the job as best he can he still goes out and he he's not there's not he's not stopping somewhere and being all like oh what about my personal problems like shinji does fuck that kid <laughs> fuck that show man anyway, that show is amazing fuck oh, yeah. you sam so i was gonna be like so so what i was gonna say is that something that i really liked about frodo as a character and i think that what called him to me better than like like i said i was reading harry potter at the time i couldn't quite get into it i think part of it was because of the chosen one yeah i don't like we've talked about this we don't like the someone who's born special chosen one plots are dumb even though eventually it did get like some kind of like twist at the end i mean who cares that was like no if somebody if somebody's told their whole life that they're going to be amazing that's encouragement. They might do some amazing shit, you know? Yeah. And a character who has no encouragement doing something amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's what I like about Frodo is that he like at first like he is told he basically has to go take this ring, but then eventually he decides he needs to take care of this ring by himself. And he like struggles and works hard to get the job done. No, and like this is an interesting thing, because I watched Return of the King today and like there's the moment where he says, You bow to no one to the hobbits that was a pretty cool moment no but i realized that it's like the hobbits themselves like all of them not just frodo and sam like mary and pippin they completely changed the fabric of the whole war Mm -hmm. like they wouldn't have succeeded without these hobbits so it's like these really small passive creatures that helped save like the entire middle earth so that's really good i love that arc and i love i love the imagery too of like you see pretty much a whole kingdom then bow to these four little insignificant looking hobbits like yeah, that's but right now cool. right now they're just drunk and shitty and they're like they're traveling from the shire for like a day and shit before they even meet with Mip, mary and pippin time really yeah. compresses in these movies like yeah but what are mary and pippin doing that far away from bag end oh well, yeah. they're in... well they they don't well 
they don't live so close to Hobbiton. They're like, because Hobbiton's not the only place where there are hobbits. There's different parts of the Shire where they're different. It's the just hobbits the only place dwell. where they don't get like shit shit on by racists. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and in Merry and Pippin, uh, now like in the movie they're stealing crops from Farmer Maggot, but in the book they're actually like kind of friends of Farmer Maggot. Farmer Maggot actually helps them get past the Nazgul and get them to Bree. Farmer Maggot? Yeah, he's. You don't see him, but he's the pitchfork that's coming to get no, them. No, it's not a pitchfork. It's a goddamn scythe. It's a scythe. But I, okay. I, I love that name, though. Farmer Maggot. I yeah, didn't Farmer pick up Maggot. On, I didn't pick up on they that look in the movie. up with the scythe, and it's like, oh, no. Michael Myers from Halloween 5. <laughs> <laughs> Sam even says, you've been into Farmer Maggot's crops. I know. And then they uh, tumble down the hill, and they get to the mushrooms. And then uh, Mary and Pippin, I guess, they're just like, hey, we'll go with you guys. We don't give a shit about anything. We don't have jobs. There are no jobs in, for <laughs> yeah. hobbits. Yeah, for real. Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're rich kids, essentially. Like, Right, they're all just rich kids. The brand, yeah, a lot of the fellowship is a lot of rich kids. Like, I think the only one who's not, like, the son of a rich person is Sam, who's just, you know, the son of a gardener. Yeah, so he's just been, is he just been gardening for the Baggins family for a while? Yeah. Uh, something to bring up how in the book, you know, I mean, like, Frodo is 33 years old when it's his birthday. And then in the book, like, it takes 17 years for Gandalf to figure out that the ring is evil. And then to send Frodo off in his quest at the ripe age of 50. He's 50 years old. <laughs> He's 50 years old in the book. And there's, like, uh, there's also a pretty good gap in age between him and Sam. Sam is 38. <laughs> like, Sam is his sexy young gardener. <laughs> oh, Mr. Frodo. I sure am awful sweaty. Hope you don't mind if I take off this here man blouse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sam. I'm over here cutting up a wheel of cheese. Could you help me with the... Oh, let me get that for you, Mr. Frodo. Oh, God. You sit down those delicate little hands of yours. Oh, they, they love each other. They love each other very deeply. They They do love each other, and it's like... I'm not gonna. We're not gonna make the jokes that Kevin Smith has made. I'm truly. I'm trying actively hard to avoid that. Yeah, I was I'm, fully expecting Sam and Frodo to kiss at any point. In there's time. so many moments where they could have kissed, and that would have been fine. Yeah, he kisses him later, it's like a, on the head. It's a very passionate. No, no, I was expecting like steamy, like X-rated almost with some of the stares <laughs> that they were giving each other. I was just uh, like, oh man, this. Is... You know, it'd be funny. It's like. Why don't you both just kiss? Why don't you guys kiss? Me and Mary kiss all the time. <laughs> I love Pippin. Well, that, that'd be weird because they're cousins. Oh, wow. It's called kissing cousins. The Shire is a goddamn... It's this. What's, it's a fucking... Inbred. It's an inbred goddamn backwater. <laughs> There's okay, only okay. so many hobbits. You think they're not inbred? There was inbreeding in real life. There's like 13 or so like major families. So, you know. <laughs> but anyway. You know, you know who is hot is Rosie. I'm glad Sam got to tap that eventually. Hell yeah. Good for him. Yeah. But, uh, and then, but, but so our hobbits, they go on their journey. They eventually find out Gandalf's been kidnapped by, uh, through Aragorn. It was Saruman that took him. Yeah. He's up there being, uh, spun around. Something I want to talk man, about. man, I I had the hardest time trying to remember who was Saruman and who was Sauron throughout really? this fucking thing. I like, mean, it's it is it does trip you up a little bit. Fortunately, Saruman's not there as long. Like eventually, eventually, I had to just straight up pull up Wikipedia and just like, okay, 
Christopher Lee is Saruman, so whenever they mention Saruman, they're talking about Dracula. Sauron is the giant eyeball fucking fiery thingy, okay. There is actually a really interesting reason. Uh, so I was mentioning how there's the Valar and the Maiar that serve them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sauron and Saruman served the same Valar okay. beforehand. And that's also, it's also the same Valar that created the dwarves. So the dwarves were created by Satan? No, no, not Satan. Satan's boss. But not like Super Satan, like like Melkor, but another guy. Like Super uh, Satan. <laughs> super Satan. Yeah, there's like a like, there's a super <laughs> bigger Satan than Sauron that you existed before called Morgoth. And he's ah, like the big evil. There of we the go. Universe. There's our first metal band dropped in the in the episode. Oh, oh yeah, so, so yeah. take a drink. Yeah. So okay, so I like it's no secret like heavy metal is one of my most favorite things in the whole world and man you know i knew going into this that many many bands did take influence from tolkien in many some bands. form or another but it's like holy shit watching these movies again and hearing all these names dropped i was like oh my god there's so many of them <laughs> you know who really loves tolkien your favorite varg vickerness oh yeah fuck uh, that guy yeah, Burzum okay. sucks hey varg vickerness i hope you're listening I hope you're listening, because fuck you. Fuck you. Because they could only give you a maximum jail sentence of 14 years in Norway, even though you murdered people. Piece of shit. <laughs> you fucking uh, homophobic piece of garbage. Garbage human being. I hope you're listening, though, and uh, share it with your friends. Yeah. If you're gonna the listen, ones that are alive. If you're going to listen to sketchy music also, there's a whole entire universe of way better, sketchier bands to listen to than Burzum. That shit fucking sucks. <laughs> I just boring you know, fucking garbage. Getting but, back on track, there are a lot of. It is interesting how like Lord of the Rings is a huge influence on so much metal mm-hmm. uh, and like like rock bands in general. Well, that's yeah. uh, like um, there were he uh, Ralph Bakshi really wanted to use Led Zeppelin, right? Yes, <laughs> which would have been fucking great. That would have been cool. Would have been so cool. Yeah. So yeah, we meet Strider when we first meet him. We don't know he's Aragorn as of yet. Aragorn, son of Arathorn. And he takes them to the elf land, Rivendell, where... So every time we're in elf world, it's got, like, the soap opera lens, so you know that everything's magical. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, like, super glowy. And all the elves... Oh, no, particularly Liv Tyler. She talks in very low, sexy voice. Very softly. My love, please, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like it's like ASM elf. I have to fart. Leave the room, please. <laughs> and she farts just like. No, no, no. It's in contrast. It's actually <laughs> like elves are actually do thunderous farts. I, no, no, because like elves eat mostly vegetables. Oh god! <laughs> god, I'll bet, I'll bet the, I'll bet Rivendell smells worse than fucking wherever Hobbit Gimli town. is from. Why, why do you think they gotta live like by an open like sea area? Oh god, it's just shit everywhere. <laughs> god, yeah. imagine sleeping next to Legolas. You know, Gimli, you know Gimli did that a lot. Yeah. Hey yo. Uh, so yeah, they're, so they're talking about, like, how do we destroy the ring? And Gimli's, of course, you know, you gotta have the one guy who's like, well, why don't we just do it right here? And which actually leads me into this. Gimli was my favorite character throughout uh, yeah. this whole thing. Gimli. And one thing, and I mentioned to Sam on our way over here earlier, one thing I loved about Gimli 
is I got very strong Drax vibes off of Gimli at times. You know, yeah, he is kind of an old school Draxy type of character. Yeah, it's like, fuck it, we're going to do it now. Ah! John Reese Davies was very colorful when it came to the set. Like, he, he did a lot of the stunts as Gimli when mm-hmm. it came to the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. Now, his only thing was that, you know, he didn't really, like, pay attention when it came to doing really good fight choreography. So we basically just told the stunt doubles, all right, listen, guys, I'm just going to hit you with this axe, <laughs> and you better be prepared for Which it. Which is very Draxian. It is very Draxian. <laughs> well, I mean, Dave Bautista's a UFC fighter. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hit Reece you Davies. guys, so look out. <laughs> it's so interesting they picked John Reese davies a six-foot-one tall, like, old... I, actually, I refuse like to that. believe that he's that tall. He is that tall, dude. I know, I, but I can't... My I brain actually, I actually did not know that that was him. Like, I knew, you know, going into Fellowship late or um, going into Two Towers later, I know that he voiced the the Ent. Yes. Uh, the uh, tree Treebeard. I knew that, but I did not know that he was also Gimli as well. And so when I was watching Two Towers... Um, I was I wanted to confirm. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's actually John Rice Davies as the tree. And then I saw he was. I'm like, whoa, what? I don't I don't know how I didn't pick up on that. That's funny. That uh, that's kind of the reverse with Kreider. He didn't yeah. know that John Rice Davies did the voice of Treebeard. Yeah, that tripped me up. Yeah, <laughs> I love can't Treebeard. It. Treebeard's great. The, pretty the pretty much every every character that John Rice Davies plays in this movie in these movies are are my favorite characters. <laughs> but uh. uh you know how long that Council of Elrond scene is in the in the books breaks? You I you mentioned this in in the in the chat, um, but I don't remember it. Just try want to try and take a quick guess. Um, no. One hundred and fifty-seven pages. God long. damn it! The Council of Elrond. Oh, Crider has a copy the of the book in his hands right now, so he can like look that shit up if he wants to. You can go to the table of contents in the front there. They, like it's a, it's an old-fashioned book. <laughs> they, got, they got chapters on like modern day books where it's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, next part. <laughs> I can see they spend eleven pages with Tom Bombadil. Oh yeah, that's man. That's a that's an unfortunate character and scene that got cut. It's Tom Bombadil. Like I know Tom Bombadil's kind of like doesn't really do a whole lot in the book, but he's such a sweet character. Also, you lose the Barrow Whites, and the Barrow Whites are so cool. Like, oh, sorry, I got really nerdy there. <laughs> the bar- the barrow ice by the way is kind of what was they were what the Nazgul like the 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 suit the, the crazy weird magic knife that's kind of what Frodo was gonna turn into. Interesting. Which are basically like you know weird ghosty undead monsters. Yeah. But uh, there's a speaking of the, but so with the Council of Elrond we really do get to see like the first major meme. Oh yes, <laughs> that that that's another thing that we very much enjoyed yeah, going back through these movies is so seeing, many memes, seeing memes pop up in real time. And what is the meme we get here, Sam? One does not simply watch all the memes in this movie in real time. <laughs> like there really are just so many great memes in this movie, and there's like more in the other movies. But like, you know, I feel like so yeah, much we were... fun seeing the, all the many memes just like pop up as each scene comes by. Yeah, we we talked about this in our in our text chat that um we th- we kind of came to the consensus that I think Fellowship has the most of them. Oh it's yeah, quite possible. Yeah, so they're the Fellowship of the Ring. Elrond says the name. Yeah, it's a uh... you are the Fellowship. Of the ring. Yeah, it's a long section of the book, but we boil it down to a good 20, 30 minutes, maybe. Not even. 
you know, just 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> and then they go in, and they they're on the road, man. And this is the shit. We got our we got our uh, Dungeons and Dragons group. Yeah, the first Dungeons and Dragons group of fantasy inspiration. Yeah, truly an amazing team. Yay. With plus like four halflings, which you know, no good D and D group should have. Well, I mean, you know, thieves. You gotta have your rogues. You gotta have your bards. You gotta you have your fun characters. In See, the they're party. going. In, they're going into a whole different dimension of nerddom that I do not even dare trek into. <laughs> we should do some Pathfinder soon. We should totally do some Pathfinder. I think we can get Briggs in a Pathfinder. You'd have fun, Briggs. Yeah, you don't have to worry about too many numbers. You can make <laughs> you up your you own don't shit. Play with the rules too much. Yes, it's a very loose game. That's what makes Pathfinder so much fun. All right, we'll see. But uh, so yeah, we get so Peter Jackson is really good at these very visceral battle scenes. The camera's moving. I'm kind of lamenting that The Hobbit wasn't shot on film after watching these because, like, something about shooting on 35 millimeter makes these landscapes and faces just seem so much more real. Yeah, like, oh my god, like, ba- the battle scenes in Fellowship, uh, you know, particularly, of course, like, starting off with the Mines of Moria fight, they're just so visceral. Like, Aragorn chops off an orc and there's just, like, a fountain of black blood that comes out of it. And, so and you know, even just beyond the battle scenes, like, these movies are just a visual treat, which is something we never really got to see much of in fantasy movies up to this point. Yeah. I like, can't believe that all these locations are New Zealand. He uses New Zealand so well. It's amazing. That's got to be somewhat, like, because these three movies, the total budget is, like, 250 million something like that this this really put new zealand on the map really for no, like so many movies are right? shot are shot there now yeah. yeah and like i think taika waititi wouldn't be who he is now if it wasn't for peter jackson kind of paving the way i could see that yeah they're both pretty quirky in their styles too like i, I could see peter jackson just as a filmmaker having an influence on Taika oh Waititi. definitely yeah but um yeah, the landscapes are so fucking gorgeous. I didn't the snow capped mountains and everything. Here we are. It uh, the trilogy cost two hundred and eighty one million to make. It's pretty amazing. If Before includes, advertising, if that includes post production costs, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So production was probably like less than two hundred million. Yeah. To that's... made made a clean two billion. Well, hey. worldwide. What a that's fucking a, that's all three combined, right? Because I know all three combined. Because I know Return alone crossed the billion dollar mark back when that was still a rare feat for a movie to do in in its theatrical run. Nope. Now two point nine billion is what all three movies made collectively. Yeah. So yeah, the Minds of Moria is a great sequence. Um, oh yeah, the, the orcs mines. are very nasty. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that the orcs for the most part are actual actors in costumes rather right. than just like because it's like you know you know with movies today that do like massive armies of creatures and stuff like that it's most and it's and marvel you know is the big offender of this it's Absolutely. mostly it's mostly just cg vomit CGI all over crowds. the place yeah. so it's like you know it's refreshing going back to a movie that was as revolutionary as it was in the cgi visual effects department relying on a mostly practical physical actors in costumes army for the orcs which is incredible yeah if they're doing the diaper walk in the first couple yeah uh, i'm gonna get into that in a little bit like uh, like two things it really isn't really good to see such a like like the visual work to make every like individual enemy army look uniquely different like the 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 moria goblins uh i remember like the behind the scenes uh like the, the brief on it was basically to make them look like 
uh, deep sea fishes meet cockroaches, essentially, which you can kind of see in the big giant, like, clampy helmets that they wear and they're how, big, like, scuttly they work. And they have giant eyes. Yeah, and they have giant eyes. They have, like, really... To see in the dark, yeah. Really freaky looking. And then on top of that, like, because of that, we don't get too bored of seeing all the, like, waves of bad guys get mowed down so bad. Just... And, and what Chris and what Chris is talking about, you see orcs, at least in the first two movies, there was kind of this weird, like, uh, so the movement choreographers, they told, like, they were teaching the orc extras to, like, walk in what he called a full diaper walk, as he called it. Uh, <laughs> the, the motion chore- mo- the movement choreographers told them it was a, a monkey walk kind of thing. They were, like, looking at Planet of the Apes type of thing. And... They eventually like moved out of that by Return of the King. If you watch the orcs, as they get more and more badass. Yeah, and... once you meet Tumor Face. Yeah, once you meet. Oh yeah. Gothmog. 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 <laughs> I'm his... Gothmog. That's his name, Gothmog. <laughs> okay. Fun story. The actor who plays Gothmog is also the same actor who plays uh the Witch King, and also Lurts, the leader of the Urukai and Fellowship. Interesting. Well, that's cool. Yeah, the Urukai are pretty oh, cool. Urukai, another metal band name drop. Uh, Fuck yeah! Uh, <laughs> take a drink. Let's talk about the Urukai really quick. How badass are those guys? Yeah. So they're like a fusion of men and orcs. Yes, they're they're essentially half orcs. Yeah, that was that was say. pretty cool. They're speed grown like uh, Mandalor- not like Mandalor- like clones. Yeah, in in the books, it's a little more vague about how they're made. Uh, but you know, in this, it's like clear cut, some kind of like crazy magic science. They're experiment. homunculi. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Except more taller. homunculi. I I think like a lot of the briefing from Tolkien is that orcs are like no taller than humans, essentially. Like that, like most orcs barely reach that height. Urukai are kind of like they're beefed up to be bigger and badder for the movie. Yeah, man, the Urukai are pretty badass. Uh, the such good miniature work in these movies. The miniature work, oh, is yeah. so the mind, the mind shot, like. Oh yeah, I love, I love that. See, and it just goes back to what I mentioned about you know the hordes of armies and stuff. It's like you know as revolutionary as these movies were for visual effects and CGI. It was so refreshing to see how much they relied on practical like miniatures and stuff like that like i mean we'll get into it later on but in two towers one of my favorite shots is during the battle of helm's deep when they breach the wall when the wall blows up that's a real fucking wall blowing up that they just enhanced with cgi and it looks so good like my jaw dropped when I was watching that. I'm like, God damn it! There and you don't see that in movies anymore. Like, For real. Yeah, two towers is great, but let's get to let's so, get yeah, to some so. basic questions with Fellowship. Who is your favorite character, guys? Gimli, Boromir, and Fellowship. I I would say uh, Gandalf personally. I I like Dig Boromir because they take pains to make him like a very sympathetic character. Yeah, and um, you totally understand kind of where he's coming from. But it's like, man, it's really sad when he's like sitting there after Frodo's disappeared, and he's like, "I'm sorry, Frodo. I didn't mean it." Yeah, they really that like Jackson took some good pains to make him a, a very relatable character in the movie. So that, and then once he does die, you like you really feel that when Lurtz is just fucking making a porcupine out of him. Yeah, because it's like you know normally when Sean Bean dies in a movie, it's like, oh hey, that just happened again. Oh, but it's like, true. it's like, come on, that made. 
I mean, one of the most successful TV shows of all time. Yeah, yeah. come on. True. But still, it's like, you know, reg- regularly, like, I mean, like, it's it's a meme at this point. You know, the motherfucker <laughs> dies in everything he's in, and it's like, it just gets to that point where it's like, okay, here's the obligatory Sean Bean death, and so... No, now feel... it's like subversive when he doesn't die. Yeah, exactly. Like Troy. Yeah. Or Possessor. <laughs> but, um, but no, the, I feel like, though, this is one of the instances where... It's like, oh shit, he died. Like you actually are feeling for him, and he and it's such a like a brutal fight too, as he's just like struggling to fight off all these urukai, like at, at a point where he's got like two arrows in his fucking chest. But he's still going. I know these these are the master chief orcs. There's they're the fucking worst <laughs> with their giant butcher knife swords. You know, um, going back to the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. You know, I wanted. So, like, so I mentioned, I joked around with Sam, you know, one thing I wasn't anticipating was that um, I would be the first one of us to finish this trilogy. You know, I, I <laughs> so, like, I watched Fellowship uh, the um, the week of Thanksgiving while I was up in South Carolina at my family's house. And then I watched Two Towers and Return of the King um, earlier this week, uh, split apart on days like I did. uh T- uh, towers on Tuesday and I did fell- um, return on Wednesday but so it's like I finished this like days before we sat down to record this and so one thing that I had thought about trying to do was go back and uh, check out the animated ones just to you know just to have as a reference didn't get to do that but one thing that <laughs> my roommate uh, showed me was um you know, he was telling me about the weird ways that Ralph Bakshi made this movie, and he showed me <laughs> Boromir's death scene from the animated one, and I thought it was really fucking cool and weird how it's like the Urukai are all rotoscoped, yeah. like real actors yep. fighting animated 2D Boromir. <laughs> it's like some Roger Rabbit shit. This is something yeah. me and Sam have considered doing, like the rotoscope zombies, but yeah. like regular animated people. That would be cool. I think it's a it's a cool look at look, but uh, unfortunately, Ralph Bakshi's designs aren't like good enough to kind of like make the image interesting enough, in my opinion. Yeah, like Boromir's got a big old fuck off Viking helmet. That's goofy yeah. as hell. <laughs> it's also like you know, it's like why won't they give me more money? It's like if you showed some competence, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I ripped off like all these crewmen in Spain to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> I know he shot like he spent a lot of money shooting the live action piece. Like they went to places to shoot pieces that they would rotoscope later. Yeah, like, that's, that's what Sam point? was telling me. <laughs> but um, again, love you, Ralph. We re- I really do. So um, really did by the time this airs. Oh, <laughs> oh God, what if he is? Never mind. Oh yeah. Um, but um, I forget. Was this scene with Boromir dying? Was this before or after we get the fucking kick-ass scene of Gandalf? Oh no, it's after because no, it's yeah. way after. So, yeah, no, in the minds of Moria, they're uh, they're just about to escape, and then they've woken up. They've they've awoken something in the mind, which is the Balrog, because even the orcs and goblins are like, "Oh fuck, man, the Balrog is so fucking cool." That that, that, that is probably the lights. My... The lights coming down the huge hallway, and they have to start running. I, w- I would say this is probably my favorite scene in Fellowship. Like, like I was telling Sam, Fellowship. You know, if I'm ranking all three of these movies, Fellowship is probably at the bottom of my ranking. But this scene to me is like to me 
the most memorable scene. None of them are really bad. No, they're not. They're My not favorite really. scene, personally, is when Gandalf is speaking to Frodo and telling him that, you know, there, there's a lot of, like, will in this world besides the will of evil, and Bilbo was meant to find the ring just as much as you were to have it. And, of course, you know, the great line of... Uh, uh, all you have to do is choose what to do with the ta- with what is given to you. Yeah, it's like I wish I hadn't. It hadn't happened in my time. It's like yeah, yes, we all. So do all people who live through shitty times. What would you say your favorite scene is, Kreider? Hmm. Oh boy. Damn. It's hard. I know. It's <laughs> I a, know. I'm blanking. It's such a such a good movie. Like solidly. Like this movie. Really oh no. Goes- okay. Hold on. The my favorite thing of all time because it sets up for so much cool shit is at the end when Aragorn's putting on Boromir's uh, wrist guards and it's like we will not leave Merry and Pippin to torture let's hunt some orc oh. <laughs> and Gimli's all like yes! <laughs> murder <laughs> puts an orc knife like, like he, he, he like that big curved one is like an orc knife oh it's an orc away. yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he gets a lot of use out of that yeah he does <laughs> but um but yeah, and then that's, that's pretty his, much that's where they sleeping knife. That's pretty much where they leave it at at this point. And yeah, a couple of things I love, just little details of when you know you see close ups of the Hobbit's hands interacting with other people. It's clearly like children's hands, but they also like they built different sized rings, you know, because sometimes the ring is like they have to make it larger in the Hobbit hands, and then sometimes they have like a giant one for like those really good close ups of it in front of the lens. Oh yeah. That- classic shot of the the giant ring in the snow of course how big is it oh it's like it's pretty big i think it was like 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 half of half a foot in diameter that's a yeah that's i love just giant stuff that they used to build for close-ups yeah yeah so fellowship of the ring it's a great movie so it's the only one that's on the american film academies um or uh it's on afi's uh 100 years 100 movies list for american movies when they revised it in 2007 uh for its 10th anniversary they included they included fellowship i'd say that i'd say that's a good one this movie if this movie wasn't a success no one would have cared for what came after exactly all right so you want to you want to rank this puppy sam hell yeah you know what i give it because it's such a great and strong starter nine out of ten i'm gonna give it a solid eight out of ten I'm gonna follow in Kreider's footsteps and give it an eight out of ten because, like, it's like you know, it's it's like I was telling Sam in the car, you know, like this one I watched when I was sitting on my ass in my room just doing nothing, and there were some parts where you know I it kind of lost me a little bit, and I was like looking at memes on my phone or whatever. Whereas Two Towers and Return of the King, I watched both of those at my desk while I was working and was just. 100% glued to them the entire time. Nice. So, so, all right. It's Let's time see. to move on to my favorite of the trilogy. Yes, me too, probably. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Frodo and Sam continue the prank to destroy a magic ring in the owner's house, on the way meeting Uncle Bilbo's old tweaker friend Gollum as a guide. On the road, the forest cops arrest them, threatening to end the epic prank, but decide not to be total narcs. Meanwhile, two of Frodo's beer buddies have been taken by friends of the evil, with only three rich dudes drunk on violence left to save them. 
They fail and instead are given the duty of saving an entire community of horse farmers, which they luckily do not fail at after winning an epic game of who can kill the most. <laughs> nice. I, I do love how it really boils down to that, who can kill the most. Like that That's one thing I love that they carry throughout these movies is the little competitive angle between Legolas and Gimli, where it's like they are, they are literally vocalizing how many kills they are earning in these battles, as if anyone outside of the two of them really gives a shit. I don't even know if Legolas even gives a shit. He does. <laughs> he does count, because he wants to, he likes to fuck with Gimli. Well, it's... yeah, he does, but it's like, I feel like at the same time, he's only just kind of like, eh, alright, whatever, I'm just gonna well, upstage this fucking little Legolas is 3,000 years old, Gimli's only like 500, he's like, ah, you're young. 141. He's only 141 in dwarf years. He's like a teenager. <laughs> so, then how, so, so then that leads me to this question. If Legolas is 3,000 years old, how fucking old is Elrond? Oh, man. Elrond is way older. <laughs> like well, I, I, know, I can realize that because it's Hugo Weaving, but in, in the lore, how, how, how old is uh, this guy? Uh, hold on, I'm looking it up. Uh, but I just wanted to say really quick that the whole like counting kills thing—that's actually from the book. Nice, just for a little fun, just for a little trivia for you guys. Briggs looks very cozy though. I am. Here we are. He is six thousand years old. Wow, that's actually less than I expected. <laughs> He's a young man. He's a young elf. He's also he's also his full name is uh, Elrond Hathelven. I thought it was Elrond Hubbard. Ah, oh, gross. <laughs> he doesn't like people though because of because of the corruption he's witnessed, right? And that's why he set out to kill them as a computer virus. You are a plague, <laughs> and I am the cure. That's kind of part of it, actually. Uh, well, I mean, like you know, Elrond kind of lost faith in humanity, uh-huh. but it's also because. Uh, so you see, in in lore, Elrond is. Uh, uh, like I said, he's 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 half elven, and so he's not entirely immortal. And his brother Elros, he chose a mortal life, which is why he's so like chose a mortal. Yes, a okay. mortal life. He he became uh his his brother became the first king of uh, Numenor. The the humans. That's why yeah. The the humans that would go on to eventually find found Gondor and such. Okay. So uh, Aragorn and Arwen are cousins, anyways. Very, very long distance cousins. So it's not as incesty. It's not super incest. It's not. I mean, we're talking about thousands of years difference, though. Yeah, but for someone who's three thousand years old, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, so so Elrond's kind of like not super keen on humans. He's certainly not happy that his daughter's dating one. Well, he's uh, he he's cool. He's he's more or less cool with it, but. His task to Aragorn, if he wants Elrond, if he wants uh, Arwen's hand in marriage, is to reclaim the throne of Gondor. Oh, but so yeah, this is the thing about Two Towers that confused me. It was like when you're first seeing Fellowship, he he's talking to Arwen, and she's like, "I would rather live a human life with you." But then in Two Towers, we flash back and we reveal that they kind of broke up. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, he was like trying to leave her like in the middle of the night or something like that. No, it was on the eve of them uh, going off. And, and he tries to give her the, the necklace village. back, and she's like, "No, I gave it to you as a gift." <laughs> Jerk! You're such a dick, Aragorn. But she still simp's hard over him, though. I know, man. 
They, they, they love each other. That's all there is to it. What? Uh, Not enough to get Steven Tyler a cameo in the movie, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Briggs, have, I, have, has, have either of us told you about how, like... Uh, so, so Arwen was going to actually be at the Battle of Helm's Deep originally. Really? Yeah, they even shot some scenes, but instead of Haldir coming with the Company of Elves, it was going to be uh, Arwen with her own Company of Elves oh, wow. helping at Helm's Deep instead. And there's some action scenes. This is why I got to really show you guys some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, which is really cool, all the like behind-the-scenes like battle sequences that they had that they never used with mm-hmm. her like just fighting with a sword. They, they cut it because, uh, you know, that would undercut Eowyn's development in Return of the King, becoming yeah. a shield maiden, which I totally agree with, as cool as it would have been for Arwen to do more stuff. No, that's the coolest moment, though. We'll I, I, did, I did like the introduction of Eowyn, though. I, I Eowyn's liked her cool, character. yeah. Eowyn's great. I, I like all the Rohan characters, honestly. But talking about simping, I mean, she just can't help it when she yeah. sees Viggo Morenston. Oh, yeah. yeah. Does she marry Faramir? Yes. Her other cousin? What? No. They're Aren't they cousins. cousins? Okay. No, they're not cousins. You're talking about. All right. No, pe- the people of Rohan and the <coughs> people of Gondor are separate people. All right. Yeah. Well, I also they were standing next to each other at the end, so I was like, I bet they're gonna get married. I also yeah, they was, get married in the book. I also was totally not expecting to see Judge Dredd pop up in this movie. Yeah. Who's Carl Urban's character? Uh, Aomir. Aomir. Aomir is fucking cool. Theoden's yeah. nephew. And um, so they this just... is a scene we didn't see, but apparently Faramir, who's Boromir's brother, like. They have a whole nice funeral for Boromir where they're putting his body in a boat and they put it over these waterfalls. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the boat just rolls up on his brother and his brother's like, yo, what the fuck? And they, <laughs> and they you actually get to see Faramir see the body in the boat float past him in the river. That's so funny. <laughs> what the shit? My brother. What, what happened? happened? You know you know, I haven't seen a while, in a while. My big brother. <laughs> what? Hey, there he is. <laughs> hey, bro, you sleeping? Oh, Bro, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. There's a really bro. Big... Oh man, he went I... over the waterfall. And he just stayed in the boat. <laughs> like I said, we watched the theatrical cuts, but I know the extended cut like by heart, essentially. And I can't help but think and point out the extended cut scenes that are cut. But I, I think really that's have one to... scene we could have we 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 were okay with not having. <laughs> yeah, but there's there is a scene I have to show you on YouTube, Crider, which is fantastic. Is uh, it's a flashback uh, in for Faramir. We're singing about the first time that he and his brother actually took back uh, uh, the city of Osgiliath from the orcs. And they're like celebrating and having a good time. But then their father comes down and he's like, oh, my successful son. And the fat disappointment. He calls Faramir fat. Their father sucks. (laughs) No, he's like, if it weren't for Faramir, the city would still be standing. Were you not trusted to protect it? Damn. Well, we'll get into that in Return of the King. What a piece of shit their dad is. Yeah. But that, that's a really good extended scene. There's also so many good extended scenes that I really have to show you just separately. I, I can send you a list, Crider. Yeah, two towers. We're getting into the nitty-gritty. Uh, we do meet Golem, finally. You get only a little glimpse of him in the first one with the eyes poking through. Yeah, you get some really scary, like, just, like, partials of Gollum in the in the Fellowship. Like, And then there's the there's a torture bit where, like, yeah, where he's just his hands And he's just, like, writhing, like, ah! There's also the opening, like, epilogue as well, uh, epilogue? Prologue as well, where, like, he's just, like, this dark figure crouched over, and you see his, like, big bright eyes shining in the darkness. Yeah, it's so great. But, yeah, so this is Andy Serkis' first time doing motion control, right? Yep, motion capture motion with this capture. character. It's, it's amazing, man. Andy Serkis, I can't say enough good things about him. I love his stuff. 
Yeah, We're, we got to do the Planet of the Apes trilogy. The fact that that man, the fact, the fact that that man did not get an Oscar acting Oscar nomination for, I would say maybe War of the Planet of the Apes, is a fucking insult. Hell yes. You remember when he's walking in the snow with a shotgun? <laughs> yeah, buddy. So badass. That's my favorite shot of all time. Just the gorilla cocking a shotgun in the snow. Oh, oh we'll... you're, you're talking to the war metal fan here. I'm all about the ape shit. <laughs> well, we'll, get, we'll get into that trilogy eventually, but for now, his work as Gollum is like iconic in my opinion. Oh yeah, this, this in is... return though, when you see him doing like normal acting he's yeah. such a good actor his voice work is so amazing and you really see how much of the character is just andy circus with the eyes bigger what do you that's actually something i want to get into like there's a there's kind of a i'm gonna call it a youtube criticism about Gollum's voice mm-hmm. some i've heard like some people compare it to jar jar binks it has a bubble in the throat kind of like jar jar binks but it's much more low it's much more gravel the filthy hobbits they took it, but he has like he has, he's got multiple personalities. Oh, that was really good. <laughs> that was good. Well done. Thank you. I I think I I don't think this voice is all that is, is that annoying. No, I mean, I, I see. I cringe every time I hear Jar Jar Binks talk. <laughs> I I I loved listening to especially scenes where both of his personalities are having conversation with each other, and I love the way that. Peter Jackson cuts around yeah, as if it's a ru- two a characters. Of, a rule of thirds. Not yeah. just that, but also there's like the pupil dilation as an indicator, which yeah, the is pupil, really cool. Yeah, the pupils will be like really narrow when he's the evil... When he's Gollum. When he's Gollum. And but when, when he's Smeagol, it's so wider. Normal. When he's Smeagol, he's like very lovable. Yeah, he's wide-eyed and innocent. And when he's just when he's just singing his little song about catching a fish, yeah. you know, it's like... It's adorable. I love, I love Smeagol. You can tell Smeagol doesn't want to be a bad person. He's like, a hobbit deep down, you know. He just wants to eat and have fun, but that ring is like bad shit. It's, it's like it's like meth or poison. alcohol. It's very poisonous to hobbits. Like it ruins people. Like hardcore hobbits are so easily corruptible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the whole journey of like Sam, uh, Frodo, and Gollum is really cool. Like the Dead Marshes. Oh my god, I loved, loved that. Especially when Frodo goes into the water. Oh god, the corpse is just floating around. It just screamed the end of Maniac to me, where he's also surrounded by all these corpses. (laughs) So yeah, those were real people, right? No, they weren't. They were mannequins. Okay, but no, for the shot of the guy, one, one guy opening his eyes. No, that was puppeteering. Oh, fuck, okay. Fuck, holy shit. Yeah, that's a really good puppet of a guy opening his eyes. Yeah, okay, sorry. No, the, the dead... it was hard to get them to like stay under the water, though, right? That was yes, the whole thing. The, the, they, they they had to really like sink them down to make sure that they like stayed at the bottom. The whole this dead is the thing Mars that happens with every amazing. movie, where they like you don't you underestimate how your special effects will work in water. Yeah, for real. It's like this shark works great. Two harsh, two harsh things. Like, the three elements to always be worried about when it comes to making films: water, wind, and fire. Yeah, but then you're also work- doing all this horse work. All the horse work. So so many horses in this movie. It's like crazy. I uh, can't imagine filming with that many horses. That's imagine so scary. Imagine the smell of all the horse shit. Horse shit is not that bad. They don't eat bad stuff. You know, it's just what you're eating. Human shit smells horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just bigger, that's all. But I, I was raised, like, cleaning up after horses. And so was uh, Tolkien. He was uh, he was a, a stable buck. Ah, he was a stable buck like me, but I didn't go to World War One. Yeah, he traded the horses in the war. Oh, so he's like the kid in War Horse. Yeah, exactly. He's like the kid in War Horse. He's just like the kid in War Horse. And exactly. 
and he really shows how much he loves horses in this book. Like, uh, it's the horses are named, and like, this is when you revealed to me that the horses have a hierarchy. Yes, uh, there's a the, the white horse that uh, Gandalf summons. Uh, He's king of the horses. Yes. <laughs> yeah, really, Shadowfax, the, the 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 lord of all the horses. And uh, er- it's in an extended cut, but Aragorn, the horse that saves him at the river shore, that was uh, Theoden's son's horse, Brago. That in an extended cut, he lets go because it's like, oh, you've lost your rider. You deserve freedom after your hard work. And oh, Brago cute. runs away when they go into the dead mountain in the regular cut. Yep. So like, fuck you. Fuck you, Brago, you piece of shit. <laughs> Come back, you fucking coward. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, there's, like, like horses have names, and there's, like, a lot of dedication to horses. The two other major influences when it came to this book is, uh, of course, Beowulf, which you can really see when it comes to oh. Edoras. Like, Edoras really looks like the, the hall of uh, Hrothgar in Beowulf. Definitely. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, Macbeth. Which is another influence, mostly for the trees. Like we get very, you know, but there's like even in the midst of like all these battles, there's like a lot of political motions, you know. Yeah, there's it's like they're worried about stewardship and all this bullshit that's going on. Yeah. Oh God! And so yeah, two towers. We also get uh, Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif is worm, worm tongue. tongue, probably. Oh yeah. Grima worm tongue. Grima worm tongue. Yeah. Which so his name is worm tongue. Well, it's just like, you know. Such a delightfully evil this character. This is a nickname. It is a nickname. Yeah, it's okay. a nickname. Grima is his actual name. Which also sounds like a nickname. No, it's his real name. It's I know. His, but... That's his first name. Yeah, Brad Dourif, Um, I love that guy. Perfect in everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, never, he's never done a bad role. From, from like, silly stuff, like Child's Play, to actual garbage like Dune. He's still a lot of fun to watch and takes a real serious taking to his role. I gotta watch that Child's Play TV show, but... Yeah, <laughs> I'm not in a big hurry, too. <laughs> yeah, he's a very Shakespearean character. He reminds me a lot of, um, fucking Iago from uh, yes. Othello. He's very much a Iago-type character. He's literally whispering evil shit into the king's He's ear. the Igor of Lord of the Rings. He's yeah. also very Igor. But, like, yeah, the actual Igor, the... And, like, as he... All this while he's possessing the king. And how amazing is that makeup for, like, when Theoden is, like, possessed? He's just, like, gray and yeah. crusty and, like, just wispy looking. And then, of course, you know, we get to when uh, uh, the Fellowship, or at least what's left of the Fellowship, uh, arrives and uh, in Theoden's court. And, you know, Gandalf realizes he's possessed by Saruman and tries to exercise him, and we get another meme. <laughs> so you you have... have no power here. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the bottom, the, the bottom one is usually him taking off the cloak, and it's like, like understands the subject or something. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty baller. It's like they take all the weapons. It's like you wouldn't take an old man's walking stick. Would oh you? no! Yeah, you can go through. You can go through, wizard. That, hey, wait a fool. <laughs> that fight is so cool, by the way. Like we're getting to see that we're getting to see a dwarf and man and an elf like and they fight, just fist with, fight with fists. They just punch everybody. <laughs> so fucking badass, in my opinion. Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. You really gotta hand it to them. Like they're, um, I said, like it's like if you're playing Kingdom Hearts, it's like Mickey and Goofy and Donald. <laughs> you know? it's like, they're just there, man. They'll jump into. So any then that. Thing. So then that leads to the question: Who's who? Obviously. 
Aragorn is Mickey because he's the leader. But Ob- who's your Goofy and Donald? Obviously, um, Legolas is Goofy. <laughs> really? I would say uh, I would say Gimli is Goofy because Gim- no, no, I would say Gimli is Donald because of the explosive temper. Exactly, he's angry. I guess so. I'm just thinking that's of- all the chances. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Fantabitzes. No, it doesn't work. I can't. Oh, well. my, da- my dad used to be able to do a really good Donald Duck voice. I'm not even gonna attempt to do it. <laughs> uh, before that is uh, how uh, the, the the stuff with uh, the Urukai have taken uh, Pippin and Mary. Yeah. And at the borders of Fangorn. And they're like, I'm sick of this maga bread. Let's eat some hobbits. Yeah, there's some great extended stuff with that one where there's a little bit more like back and forth between the orcs because it's it really show, it shows off that it's a fight between the Urukai and the orcs. We're talking about this though. It's like the orcs never get along. No, yeah. <laughs> they're constantly like it's like give me that shiny shit. I'll fucking and then they when they gut one of them, it's like meat is back on the menu, boys. Another meme. <laughs> well, you know they're uh they're 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 corrupted like creatures of evil. I love too how it's like you know like let's say we're a group of orcs. Sam and Kreider start fighting each other, so automatically I'm going to start fighting someone else. That ah. it just turns into a massive thing. Yeah. Oh, well, it's like, oh, hey, a fight. Look cool. Well, whose side are you going to be on, though? It's you're a metal be... show. He's not going to be on anybody's side. Yeah, it's a free for all. Yeah, it's a free for all. This is a great opportunity for me to fuck some shit up. <laughs> uh, and not just uh, how great the orcs and the Urkai are, but also the Ents. You get to see the oh, ends. the ends are so good. I love a, John Rhys Davies's tree beard. That's that's inspired by Macbeth, and uh, there's, there's, a t- there's a story about how apparently Tolkien went to like uh, a uh, a showing of Macbeth, and when it came to the scene where they were like, and I saw the wood began to move, and he was really upset with it. It was just like dudes covered in like trees and stuff. He was actually hoping that there were like magical like tree people that were going to attack Dunsinane. Which is interesting because that section is also the inspiration for the Evil Dead. Really? Yeah, that's why the trees come I see alive. It. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So the whole siege of Evil Dead kind of Which was just inspired kinda, by the Macbeth. It's kinda, it kind of goes. It kind of goes back to like the whole incestual thing, like we were talking about with uh, Frankenstein. Darkness. No, no with, Frankenstein. Uh, with Frankenstein and Reanimator. It's like so. Lord of the Rings trees inspired inspired evil dead which inspired peter jackson who then did lord of the rings yeah. the movie with living trees <laughs> oh, man it's so crazy no it's great man like his early stuff is very sam Raimi, and this even this is like still very sam Raimi. you can the see wide some... angle lenses the really when the camera will follow like a projectile especially like the carnage like when you're seeing urukai soldiers being killed and that's see that's another thing that i appreciated about these movies more that i didn't pick up on as much when i was younger is holy shit these movies are so much gnarlier than i remember oh, like yeah, you're dude. seeing fucking limbs being hacked and catapulted and <laughs> which is yeah i mean like peter jackson still is like a horror and slasher guy yeah. at heart and you can see that in these movies with like especially... mostly with the orcs you know because that's like you're, when you're killing a non-human character you can be as gruesome as you want yeah, yeah non-human character or something with like non-human blood stormtrooper yeah <laughs> like you can have like nc17 will x-rate or nc-17 rate the fuck out of you if your blood is red if it's not red 
they don't care. It's yeah, like, that, that happened with uh, Star Trek Six when uh, the the dudes are like when there's there's the scene where the dudes are like killing Klingons and there's like blood floating because the gravity's off and they had to turn the blood pink so that they wouldn't get a harsher rating. Well, back to Raimi, that's another thing with Evil Dead too. You know, the first Evil Dead was as gruesome as it was and got the X rating, if it was even rated at all. They were fully ready to hit Evil Dead 2 with an X rating as well, so they changed up a lot of the blood colors to different colors. Like it's like very dark red. when um when you've seen Evil Dead 2, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've seen Evil Dead. So it's like you know how like when the blood is shooting out of the holes in the wall, like it starts off red but then turns into just like jets of like black tar looking shit. And then later uh, on, like when the giant tree monster breaks in through the through the house and he saws into it, it's kind of like pinkish or whatever. So same thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, M- MPAA is corrupt as fuck and fuck those guys. And they will turn a blind eye to your movie and rating it if your blood is any color that's not red. Pretty much. <laughs> Which is uh, racism. Uh, right. Colorism against blood. Yeah, dude. <laughs> fuck you, MPAA, one more time. <laughs> but, um... Uh, what 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 what's some of your favorite characters that are like introduced in this film? Well, I mentioned uh, Carl Urban, Tree Tree Beard, and yes, Carl Urban. I really like his character. I like um, there's Theo- this Theomir. Theomir? You what? mean Theoden? No, Carl he... Urban's character. Aomir. Aomir. There's a scene where the Fellowship first uh, like it's um. It means horse lord. Uh, Carl Urban and the Riders of Rohan are who initially attack the Urukai that are holding. Um, I know, and it's like, sorry, we slaughtered everybody. I don't think your friends are yeah. okay. <laughs> we killed everyone and burned the bodies. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of their wee belts. Yeah. And, and uh, Briggs, you know about how, like, when Aragorn, like, kicks that one orc helmet or, or head. Yeah, when he kicks the helmet and he starts crying out, he broke his fucking foot. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, they had to take several, they did several takes to try and get the right scream, and that was the one where... Uh, Viggo Mortensen broke his fucking toe doing it, and he used that pain. <laughs> and they don't. People don't give Viggo Mortensen enough credit for method acting. They get, they give it all to people like fucking Daniel Day Lewis and shit like that. Christian Bale. What about Viggo Mortensen? The man is breaking his body to make this fucking fantasy shit happen. The also, rumor is Peter really wanted another take. <laughs> he also chipped his tooth. Oh shit! Really? Not in that scene, but in the but one of the like sword fight scenes, he got hit. Right in the mouth and I tripped the like one of the front teeth like in half. Oh shit. Yep. But um These movies must have been hard. Oh yeah, I mean uh Sam got, uh Sean Aston got uh, stepped on a broken beer bottle. Because uh, they're constantly barefoot. Yeah, in the scene where he's like running off to Frodo in, in the boat at the end of Fellowship, stepped on a fucking beer bottle and it's just like it was like a big shard too, like just taking up uh... like half of his foot. The fucking crew always throwing their broken beer bottles. <laughs> Goddamn New Zealand. <laughs> but um, no um. So yeah, so I really like uh, I really like Carl Urban's character. I love Treebeard. Oh, Treebeard is so masterfully done. I really movie. like Theoden too. I like Theoden. No, once as well. he comes back, he's like a great yeah. king, and it's like it's such a sad moment when he's burying his son. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know, right. Got no child should no have to bury their son. No, 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 father, no father should have to bury their their son. And the son dies too. I like think off while, camera, basically, while he's possessed too. Right. So yeah, like when yeah. he comes back, he's like, "Where's my son?" Yeah, it's an extended scene, but we see uh, Aomir leading a group of Rohirrim uh, to find like there's this 
just big, big battle that just happened and there's orcs and men just laid waste across the land and they're searching for survivors and that's where they find uh, Theoden's son in there. I thought he died in his bed. Well, yeah, he died of his wounds later, but they found him like He's barely talking alive an extended in the battle. Scene. Oh, okay. I, the implication was that someone stabbed him in his bed for me. No, no. Well, and wait a minute. No, that's not even true because in the theatrical cut, you see Aelmir riding on a horse to uh, uh, to to Edoras with him in the front of the horse. Okay, well, I don't know. It's there. Okay, I just forgot. That's all right. <laughs> There's but, a lot um, of stuff that happens. I, for some reason, I always just thought Worm Tongue like fucking just. I think that's probably what happened later on, but he definitely... He was already fucked up enough to die. He was already die. fucked up from orc fighting. Oh, your wounds are so bad. Here, let me help massage the blood back into you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop, please. I have a mortal wound. Don't spoil everything. This works out for both of us. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and then uh, Theoden's got the hot daughter who's really badass. What's her name? Uh, Aowen. There we go. There's Aowen. Also, that's his niece. That's his niece. Okay. Yeah, Aomir and Aowen are his uh his his, his niece and nephew. Niece and nephew. Uh, his son, you know, the one that died was the only one. That, that was the only heir left. Yeah, and he's kind of like there's actually there actually is this interesting like uh you know a, a theme kind of within these books about like fathers and their sons is how like you know well everyone identifies themselves by their father. Yeah, like, and Theoden has a good heir in Eomir, but he never really recognizes that until, like, far later. Yeah. And much like how, but then, then Denethor, he's got his only son left, Faramir, and he, like, barely registers him Treats in respect to shit, yeah. No, no, but you know what? Another theme that's introduced in the Two Towers much more clearly is the environmental themes. Oh, yeah. The like... environmental themes are much stronger in this book. And, like, Treebeard should be extra angry because, like, we can't get laid anymore because the lady and Saul ran away. Ah, yes, the Entwives. Briggs, have I told you of the Entwives? No, you have not. Oh, they're fucking hot, dude. Are they? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like basically like large tree flower elemental type creatures. You ever seen a tree that you really wanted to fuck? No. Well, <laughs> See, the, you will now. So, so, oh, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> so the abridged lore is that the Entwives, well, when the Ents came to be, the Ents managed the forests and the Entwives managed the 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 gardens and okay. uh, large flowery lands. But then when the Battle of the Last Alliance was happening, uh, Sauron, in an attempt to d- divert the armies and split them up, he burnt, like, this massive batch, of, this massive patch of, like, flowers and, like, garden area and scared the Entwives off into the east. That's for like their, the like, move of a loss. Care Bear villain. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to burn all the flowers. Well, it was a huge field and no! was the only direct way for the army to take, and so doing this made them split up. And so the Entwives kind of, like, lost a lot in that battle. Oh, so it was just more a practical land grab thing? Yeah. Damn, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's and it's all about industrialization, because Saruman is uh, cutting down all the trees to make more Urukai. Yeah. 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 Remind you of somebody? Jeff Bezos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was... Yeah, just, Saruman is clearly Jeffrey Bezos, because he's utilizing communication to uh, corrupt people. Damn. Oh, yeah, okay, I can see that now. The, Zuckerberg. The, the Palantir. The Palantir stuff is a, the the themes of the Palantir are a bit stronger in the book, but really the themes of the Palantir in these in the story is kind of like about. Briggs, how, if like, you're wondering what the Palantir is, uh, it's the orb. Yes, yeah, the orb thing. That's are we our, pondering orbs? We are pondering That's, the yes. orb. Yes, that, that gets pondered. <laughs> but uh, essentially, like which I got I got a funny meme to show y'all later after we're done recording. <laughs> okay. 
But essentially, it's the theme of uh, miscommunication. Like, it's, as, as you can see in these movies, people, like, take maybe, like, a month at most to get shit done. But, you know, in the books, it's shown how, like, things happen at a much slower pace because, you know, we're talking about horse messengers and shit like that. Yeah. But the Palantir, it's able for people to, like, communicate with people much faster. But it's not the full picture when people use the Palantir. So, like, people that use the Palantir, like Saruman, they draw the wrong conclusion looking through them. Oh, so it's like reading the headline of an article without actually clicking on it. Exactly. And just being angry anyways. I'm like, informed now. Now I'm angry. Like Sauron, What do you mean defund the police? Fuck you. Like, Sauron <laughs> sees, uh... Like, Sauron eventually sees, like, a hobbit through the Palantir Saruman. that Saruman had. Oh. No, Sauron... No, oh, okay. Sauron saw, sees through Saruman's Palantir that a hobbit has the Palantir in him, on him. And so he thinks, oh shit, Saruman has one of the hobbits, and that hobbit might be the one that has the ring. So I better go attack as immediately as possible so that I can get that hobbit. Wait, so that's the whole reason why Minas Tirith gets burned? Exactly. Jeez, okay, we'll get to that in the next movie. Yes. Yeah. But, uh... Fool of a took, jeez. The themes of industrialization and environmentalism are very strong in this one. Also, I would say, uh, maybe not so strong. Maybe I don't know if you guys agree with me, but anti-war... No, like, definitely anti-war. Yeah, because, I mean, the Ents don't want to go to war. Okay. The, the Hobbits barely want to go to war. There's yeah. some argument with people about how, like, how can they be anti-war? They fight each other. It's like, well, that's kind of a shallow But it's kind of it. being pushed like it's like, because they're like, I want to go back to the Shire. And and is it Mary who says, like, there won't be a Shire? Yeah, exactly. Like, like Tolkien, like, you know, obviously he hated World War One. He thought it was a very pointless war. He, he hated World War One. He was like, this is just the worst. This sucks. <laughs> Are we really doing the war again today? But event but he said that World War Two, that was a war that he felt like needed to be fight because it was for like the safety of people and like he hated Hitler and what he was doing to so many. He people. hated Hitler. Yeah, man, that guy. Is, he was like, I that, am that, not on board. Well, I'm no, not, I'm not a fan of that guy. Well, no, really. Like Tolkien said that the the Nazis were like the epitome of stupidity, essentially. And, yeah, fair enough. So really controversial opinions. He liked the environment. He hated Hitler, and he didn't enjoy his time in war. Man, all right, noted. <laughs> Noted from the from the <laughs> old language professor. <laughs> he hated his time in World War One. What did uh, C.S. Lewis really enjoy it? <laughs> it's like I really just love killing Jr. Probably Arm. not. He uh, he got wounded in the middle of a battlefield and was left to die in no man's land. He loved it. He lo- He's a masochist. He loved yeah, every minute. Like, oh, man. I there's wish a- I had another bayonet in me. <laughs> there's a bird eating my kidney. I love it. Not a lot of people know that, but that's what made uh, uh, that's what made C.S. Lewis an uh, atheist for a while. Really? Yeah, he was an atheist for a while, and then Tolkien was like, dude, you gotta get right with God, man. Because <laughs> uh, Tolkien was a very devout Roman Catholic. It's just, it is funny to imagine that these guys were just chilling, having pints. Smoking weed. Killing people. Long bottom leaf. Anyway, so let's talk about Helm's Deep. And how that changed cinematic battle history. Oh, fuck yes. I didn't know, this is, this battle is like amazing. And like, I didn't notice until Sam pointed out that like the rain is inconsistent. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like raining in some shots and then other shots it's just gone. We have to show you again, Briggs, but there's like shots like in between rain will be like, I was like talking to creditors, like just wait, just watch the rain kind of stops and comes and goes as it between shots. <laughs> well, see, was see, it a rain machine or no? Yes, it was a massive rain machine that they had. Like, did it just run out of rain? 
Well, I mean, they had it running for like three days of of shooting it. So, like, I totally (laughs) didn't pick up on this because, like I mentioned in the last movie's discussion, I watched Two Towers and Return of the King while I was at work at my desk. And so it's like, while I was glued to these movies much more than I was Fellowship, I was still doing work at my desk, and so I didn't pick up on little stuff like that. Like the no, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like really notice until Sam pointed it out. So like, good on them for the editing. The editing in these movies is great. Oh yeah, the editing. Look, oh this. Look, I'm just like that. Look, I'm not this. I'm not picking on the movie. I'm not a YouTube critic. I'm just saying, as a man who has watched the extended cuts like almost yearly. I notice these things. No, and it's like, it's still a very well done battle scene. And like, it reminded me that like Game of Thrones mounted some really excellent battle scenes as well, you know, but like, this is the OG, man. Absolutely. Helm's deep. The, like that shot of the Urukai in the rain. And like, I love how their helmets so are good. so poorly constructed. They're just like, just as simple as possible. Yeah. I love the, like the simple design. I, I got to show you guys the, what a workshop design on the orcs like man the orc designing in this movie is some phenomenal stuff there's a there's some behind the scenes stuff that shows like how like the rubber arms and the chests and the legs that they would have to like that that they built there were just these racks of arms and legs for the urukai that they had to like apply to people and they would get soaking wet in those rainy scenes. Yeah. And the extras it, had to come back for like night after night of shooting. To just squeeze out the water. To squeeze out the water and get back in those things. They'd have to, they'd use plastic grocery bags as lubricants to get the arms and the legs on them. It's yeah. kind of a shame that, so like, you know, you know, we talked earlier about how these movies were total Oscar juggernauts, which was shocking considering the subject matter and no, the, yeah, the kind yeah. of movie. So, Two Towers got the least amount of Oscar nominations out of the trilogy. Two oh. Towers only got nominated for six awards. Uh, got nominated Best Picture, Best Art Direction, Editing, Sound, Sound Editing, and Visual Effects. It only won Sound Editing and Visual Effects. So, it's like, first off, what the fuck? How did it not win Editing? And also, how the fuck did it not get nominated for Makeup Effects? Like with the Urukai and shit like that. Like, I wonder I what they were like up against. You know, maybe there was something really good that came out that year. It was two thousand two, so I'm, I don't know. I don't think anything came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't well. think there were any movies that year, except for this one. And Spider Man. Oh yeah, Spider Man, of course. Spider Man. But Spider-Man. just like Tom Spider Man, the the use of like uh, miniatures or bigatures, as they also like to call, yeah, because they're like they're miniatures, but they're fucking huge. And, which is kind of the Godzilla well, methodology. Well, you know, they uh, they used to do that. They do that for uh, the James Bond movies a lot. They call them full scale miniatures. Nice, uh, nice. Obviously, Toho, you got to have big enough miniatures to walk around in. To so just stomp around in, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Godzilla's not walking. Uh. But uh, and just the combination of like really good CGI, a lot of extras, they make the they, they just make the battle very clear and it like, all blend really gritty. It all blends together so well and holds up so well all these years later too. I'd say that this is probably the most gritty battle scene in the Lord of the Rings movies. For yes, sure. I agree. No, and the stakes are so vivid. Like I love a good siege, you know and. Of course. This is a situation that happens a lot, you see, in fantasy. But, like, you know, the women and children have to go into some deeper part, you know. And, like, everyone is just like, well, we're making our last stand. Teenage boys, grab your swords. Old men as well. Assault on Precinct Helm's Deep. Yeah, dude. Like, 
And uh, that's something that kind of gets lost nowadays when you see these huge battle scenes. Is like you need to have stakes. You need mm-hmm. to know who, where everybody's at. You know, geography counts for a lot in a siege movie. Like I can think of uh, like there's like a handful of battles I can think of that are like on par. Uh, you know, like uh, Battle of the Bastards. Oh, uh, all Game of Thrones, yeah. Uh, well, not all of Game of Thrones. I'd say Battle of the Bastards is the most intense one. Uh, then there's also uh Battle of Sterling, uh, in a in Braveheart. Ah, uh, nice. Like, that's really on point. Really solid. Like you know, like. like Battles are very hard to get across in film. There's a fantastic video. I think I sent it to you, Crider. It's a history of cinematic battle scenes. Ah, yes. And there's some fantastic stuff that that, that uh, Atunche Films brings up in his video. Highlander Briggs, you got to check it out. Oh, yeah, I watch know. Highlander Briggs. <laughs> yeah, if you like Clancy Brown as a villain, wait until you see him in a fucking heavy metal outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Licking a preacher's hand in a church. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, just like Helm's Deep's fantastic, and also uh, when we go to Osgiliath with uh, the 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 Rangers and Sam and Frodo and Gollum, and just oh, how yeah. messed up that city is that with place the orcs is all over the yeah. place. Now, so Faramir, like, why are they gonna kill Gollum? Because uh, he's in their the like sacred pool, pool or oh, some yeah. shit. That's what? the forbidden pool. Uh, it's a it's a sacred pool like it's uh important to uh basically like gondorian lore and whatnot why uh because that's kind of that's where uh isildur and his family like on the road to battle to in the battle alliance alliance they like took uh like they discovered it and used it as a secret passage and also a hideaway from the orcs that they didn't that orcs didn't know about and like survived an ambush going there okay so on on the topic of them killing, you asked. On, okay, no, I'm just on kidding. on the topic of them tr- about to kill uh, Gollum. Um, Faramir's actor David Wenham. I was not expecting to see pop up in this, and the only other movie I've ever seen him in. So my only other reference for him, he was the monk sidekick character oh. in Van Helsing, who's He's like the small, the... mousy, like nervous, like he gets laid though. Neurotic. Yes, he does, but he he's does also get... like very neurotic, like terrified of everything. He's so the, see... he's the cue. He gives him the gadgets. Exactly. But he's such <laughs> a cue. He's such a neurotic like character in that movie that seeing him as this like badass like like he's Baromir's brother like I was not expecting to see that and well you know what I associate him with is uh he's the narrator of 300 I did not know that yeah, he's the one-eyed dude yeah I did narrates not. the whole of 300 I did not know that but then at the same time it's also been forever since I've last seen 300 so he's but also talking about battle scenes 300's got some good ones he's also the narrator of the broest show there is uh deadliest warrior Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, really. Holy shit. That is the most bro-y show ever. It's like, dude, I'm telling you, a, a Viking could not kill a ninja. Bro, the Taliban would totally lose to the IRA. Bro, <laughs> I'm telling you, Al Capone versus uh, Butch Cassidy, like, no question who would win. <laughs> bro, 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 J. Edgar Hoover versus the Shin Sengumi. Who's going to win? <laughs> 
Oh man, a very broy show. Indeed. But um, but no, that is a, that is a great scene though when he's like he he's like they will fire on my command and it's like Gollum singing his little song down below, just living his cool. best nice life. And cool and their only wish is to catch a fish. He's living his best life. He doesn't have to worry about no fucking precious ring. I know. Is he like kind of over it at that point? I mean, he's just hungry. He's vibing. Yeah, he's vibing. He's a hobbit. But I'm like, he's, he's doing not what going hobbits after, do best. Yeah, he's not going after the ring or anything. Look, the ring's not his like main character. Oh, and also on on top of that, <laughs> remember he had a uh, spoke like Smeagol had like shooed Gollum away in his mind. So no, I know, but then he like heard that the the hobbits were possibly going to betray him. Yeah, but that was oh after. no, he just like ran away because he was scared, right? Yeah, he ran yeah. away because okay, he was scared. Yeah. It was during the 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 ambush with the. The Athenian Rangers attacking the he can, Haradrim he, and, and, and their Mama kill. Yeah, I love when he like gives all the rabbits to Frodo because he's so happy that he's like gotten over his shit. Yeah, <laughs> but then he gets really mad because Sam cooks him. Yeah, he's like, "You're ruining it." Oh yeah, and he talks about they need potatoes. <laughs> you put them in a stew. You put them in a soup. You have some nice chips. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I'd forgotten about that scene. I've seen the memes like potato. Oh yeah, and let me re- let me <laughs> let me just go circle back though. It's like Sam Samwise Gamgee is the biggest badass in all these movies. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. like he I remember, really steps up in the next one, but he's a fucking badass. Like I, like I know Sam's in in this. I don't know if you're in this group that Sam and I are in on Facebook. Uh, the fan freaks. Uh, oh yeah, group. fan freaks. I saw someone posted up the thing about it was this. Uh, I think like six Lord of the Rings side characters. There's like eight characters. Okay, yeah, and it's like who of these characters could wield Thor's hammer? And I remember you were like one of the first ones to chime in. It's like, well, obviously it's Sam. Yeah. <laughs> like floor comments, and like most of them are all Sam. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. He he would be the one where he'd outstretch his arm and it would just yank that Mjolnir right out of Thor's hand. <laughs> I mean, Sam is the Sam, the most like nice character. Sam, Sam is character. the Sam is the Sam. He well, ha- and he says this with no bias whatsoever. Well, no, I'm really I'm really not because like uh, like he basically set up kind of like this archetype and like a lot of uh, you know, the Sam best buddy character in a lot mm-hmm. of stories, you know, iCarly. Game of Thrones. Yeah, I've obviously. Uh, I like Samuel how you go to Tarth. iCarly first. <laughs> He's going well, to like. There's different. I'm ends going by chronological order. And also the ends of like the cultural spectrum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like from from Nickelodeon all the way to HBO. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Sam and, Sam's are reliable. And everything in between. Oh, and uh, Supernatural, of course. Of course, Sam. But um. But uh, yeah, uh, Sam, Sam's character, like, he definitely steps up a lot. Because he's kind of like, like, he just kind of gets saddled with this task in Fellowship. Well, he, but he does choose to keep going. Yeah, he yeah. chooses to keep... And then, and then he's also got, the be, in my opinion, the best line is his little monologue about how the world is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which is really, really sweet and a real tearjerker. I know, he's kind of there to keep Frodo... Sane. He, yeah, he, like, reminds <laughs> Frodo of, like, why they're fighting. Yeah, he's he's the good of the world versus Gollum, who's like clearly the more sinister. Part. Mr. Yeah, the most Mr. Frodo, this is why I have gone the furthest I've ever gone from the Shire. <laughs> yeah, and once they're getting into like the mountains and stuff, it's like I get you got nice feet, but wear some shoes, guys. Yeah, just some, even some socks, you know, something to cover your bare skin and yeah, your some... fucking hairy feet tops, which I won't harp on too much because <laughs> the tops. They're just like. 
the tops of my feet are kind of hairy too. They both, so. they, they oh yeah, like <laughs> they basically act like flip flops. Those those prosthetic feet, they're just like really. Floppy I know that the well, I, I know I that the imagine, actors are wearing prosthetic feet. I'm well, talking I, about the characters. I would imagine the characters, though their feet at this point are pretty much like flip flops because they would probably be just super calloused over at this point. No, disgusting. they are disgusting. Hobbit like, feet are extra calloused over. Disgusting. I know, but they're like on volcanic rock later. Yeah, there isn't anything that that harsh in the Hobbit. I mean, in, in Hobbiton, the, I mean, in, in the Shire. Yeah, in the Shire, like there's not really any volcanic rock in the Shire. <laughs> At some point, Gandalf should have been like, he does say it's like I've sent him to his death. You know, like it's like yeah, you did. There's a scene later on at some point where like I hope. I hope Frodo has made it or whatever. And it's like, what does your heart tell you? And immediately my mind went to <laughs> Frodo Baggins was found dead in <laughs> Miami Beach, Florida. <laughs> they, they pumped over seven pounds of semen out of his stomach. <laughs> Baby Yoda has been taken in for questioning. Part of his friend was shoved inside of him. <laughs> Scrappy-Doo has, fi- has declined to comment. <laughs> <laughs> snarf vomited at the, at the site <laughs> so let me just talk about this so we we get introduced to lambda spread in this so they don't explain it but lambda spread is supposed to like be really filling magical bread yeah technically we're it's the more, elf bread then. yeah yeah we're more introduced to it in the fellowship and the extended cut like uh legolas is like lambda spread it's magical bread so one bites enough to fill the stomach of a grown man and ensure that the hobbits are like like mary and pippin ain't like four or five <laughs> yeah that's what I, was, I really wanted to see them like in family guy when he's when, do you remember when he eats all the freeze-dried goods like peter you just ate a year's worth of food it's like ah, i'm not even hungry and he drinks some water and then he just floats he's like get out of here i have to poop like, what no <laughs> yeah, exactly. or imagine he like it's like he blows up like the blueberry girl and willy wonk in the chocolate factory oh god <laughs> yeah guys we could totally do a Willy Wonka episode after 2022 since they're making that new Wonka movie. I, they're making another Wonka movie? Yeah, it's got... Uh, what's Timothy his... Chalamet. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah he dude. plays a young Wonka. Uh, get the fuck out of here. He makes a candy out of the Spice Melange. It's actually a spinoff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we reveal that Willy Wonka was actually a time-traveling... <laughs> he, 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 he went back in time to go start a candy factory with the I Fremen. will do what I really want to do. <laughs> you know, the Fremen, the time travel. As we know from Phantasm, interdimensional travel crushes you down and makes you a yeah, dwarf. So the, fr- the, the do- so the Oompa Loompas are just deformed Fremen. <laughs> yeah, Fremen that just yeah. <laughs> crushed down. <laughs> exactly. Which also leads into our fan Phantasm sequel <laughs> when we reveal that the tall man is actually Paul. He's the, he's the Paul man. <laughs> but uh, we're way off track. Yeah, so, yes. so, so uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Two Towers. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, actually, uh, before we kind of cap off, uh, here's something interesting. is uh, When it came to the titling of these books... You said that there was some controversy around this, right? Exactly. So, uh, now, of course, Tolkien wanted these books to be all in one big book, but that wasn't going to fucking happen in a post-war economy. (laughs) Yeah. So so (laughs) they got split into three books to save on paper costs, and uh, there was, like, a lot of bickering over the titling of these books. Uh, Tolkien was, like, cool with titling The Fellowship of the Ring, because that's a good way of explaining what's going on. But he hated the title of The Return of the King because it told you the ending of the book. He wanted to call it the War of the Ring. 
And then for the that second, been cool. And then for the second book, uh, the two towers, no one could determine which towers everyone was talking about. You know, I always wondered that myself growing well, up. Like... Saruman's tower and Sauron's tower, right? Well, that's what they've determined in the movie. But for a while, there was a lot. There's there's a lot of towers in the in in the Lord of the Rings. There's Minas Tirith. There's uh, Minas Morgul. Middle Earth is Tirith practically Ungle. a skyscraper-laden landscape. Yeah, Barad-dûr, uh, uh, Kier, uh, oh shit, uh, Isengard, the Empire sta- uh, State Building, the Chrysler Building. So there's a lot <laughs> the of towers. Sears, the Sears Tower, and it led to a lot of debates with uh, fans and like the and, and Tolkien and the editor to like figure out which towers they would <laughs> essentially talk about. What would what would be another title? I don't know. It's a good question. Battle of Helm's Helm's Deep. Deep. (laughs) I know that was a. I know that was another battle in a two thousand two. Like, oh yeah, because of uh, because of a horrible national tragedy that made everyone really upset about the concept of which one I forgot. Two towers. I forgot. Nobody told me to remember. Uh, I I know it involved two towers. That's for sure. Yeah, like two towers got attacked. And it's very tragic. I love how Zero Dark Thirty starts with all the nine one one calls to remind you how scary nine eleven was. <laughs> it's like this is why we had to find this guy and kill him. But just if, in case you forget, nine eleven was bad. J.R.R. Tolkien hated nine eleven. And if you look at the and if you actually look up on Google, you can find all the old petitions, online petitions that got made to try and like rename the two towers. Because it reminds us of towers that were ah! two of them that were attacked. <laughs> But the towers aren't attacked in two towers. You, they attack one of them. Yeah, one of them is attacked by trees. Oh no! Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Nature. Isengard. Which that I uh, that's another thing I loved in this one, and this is one of my favorite scenes. That's not Battle of Helm's Deep related. Is when the Ents lay siege to Isengard, yeah, and the Urukai that are left flee into the trees, and you just see the landscape of the trees just come to life, and you hear the screams coming from in the woods. So good. My favorite I- shot, and it's like, the one end gets set on fire, and I'm like, oh no, but then later on when the flood comes, he just runs up and <laughs> yeah, sticks he- his head in the water. <laughs> that, that, is, that is Peter Jackson humor. Yeah, oh, this is so <laughs> delightful, and a, and a little bit of Tolkien humor because that uh, he actually did does write it like that way. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, so in the book, you don't really actually get to like, like, like the battle of like the ants attack marching on Isengard. That's not shown in time. That happens off page, and Mary tells everybody what happened instead. He's like getting really high. It's like, guys, you missed this fucking battle, man. These we were riding came the trees. To life. What are you smoking in your pipe? Nothing. Found it in Saruman's hut. He didn't need it. <laughs> You're smoking my pubes, boys. <laughs> I'm the Sean Connery tree. <laughs> so, um, so let's rank two towers. This is a great one. Fantastic one. Uh, I'd give it a uh, eight out of ten. I am gonna go straight up nine out of ten. I'm going ten out of ten. You know I what? Love the two towers. It's the Empire Strikes Back. You know, yeah, no, I, I got to go 10 out of 10 on this one, too. It is the Empire, and it is my favorite in the trilogy. Like, like you know, like, go, like when I first ran through these movies years and years ago, um, I'd settled on, um, or I'd deduced that Return was my favorite. But going back now and revisiting it, yeah, I, I just got to give it to Two Towers. I love how much darker it is 
than Fellowship and King. I love how much more car- real carnage. Because, uh, I mean, like, Return of the King mm-hmm. is nothing but battle scenes, and it's still nowhere near as gruesome at times as Two Towers is. Well, Two Towers is a very grounded battle scene. There's no a lot of magical elements, not a lot yeah. of giant elephants. Yeah, the, the, crazier, the crazier it gets is those giant, like, bombs that blow up the wall. Yeah, which is pretty. I love the guy like with the torch running. Yeah, and this I, is I, like their most their most buff Urukai, and he's just running with the torch to blow up the fucking thing. And then it's a real practical wall that gets blown the fuck up and looks amazing. That should have had the Vangelis, you know, boom, yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm gonna side with Kreider and give it a ten out of ten. Also, my favorite shot in all of these movies is here is like the guy with the one eyeball. He's like, fire! And you just get the close-up on, like, his eye hole. Oh, yeah, that's pretty mm. gnarly. That's a guy with one eye, right? Like, that's a real... That's a real guy. Yeah, that poor guy is probably just a crew member, and Peter Jackson's like, I love your face. Hey, get over here. Let's put a 15-millimeter lens on and get right up in there. Hey, I mean, you know, when you got an interesting feature, it gets you on camera. No, it's good. And so what Troma did. <laughs> this, but, is uh... a, this is a great one, man. Yeah, Classic. but it is time for a king to return. Revenge of the king. The battle of Helm's <laughs> Deep is over. The battle of Middle Earth is about to begin. The Lord of the Rings, the return of the king. The prank nears its end. Gandalf unites all the bros to fuck up the evil's friends in a sick game of more killing, winning undeniably. All this while, Frodo and Sam make their way into the evil's house after messing up his pet spider. In the end, the ring is destroyed, and the evil cries himself to death, seeing his house get messed up. And in the end, Frodo and Sam escape the destruction with the help of giant stingy birds. But in the end, they reunite with the rest of their bros, minus one uncool bro. Then in the end are respected for the great prank masters that they are. And in the end, go home to write about how epic it was to prank the evil in his jerk uncle's diary. And in the end, go on a chill boating vacation into the sunset. And in the end, Sam gets laid. (laughs) You did it, Sam. Thank you. (laughs) I love the multiple endings. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does... I was it's... watching this this morning, and you know we were going to be recording at some point, and I just I kept putting off Return of the King because it is the longest one. It is. I mean, it's three hours twenty minutes in Which... theatrical cut, and, and the, the, yeah, extended the extended cut is only like a little bit longer, right? No, the extended cut is like four it's and an half hour hours. longer, but it has the smallest gap between the extended and the theatrical. Does it? No, all, no, not at all. Here, I'm oh, going okay. to fact check this right now. I thought it was. No, no, no. Not at all. Like, the first one adds, like, 45 minutes. The second one adds, like, another, like, 50 minutes. This one adds a whole hour here, extra. Let's see. I, I got so it this right is here. an interesting one, though, because it has a prologue. Yeah. Uh, I I would argue that the, the multiple endings thing is, like, really important to the Return of the King. I don't have a problem with the multiple endings, but, yeah, I'm talking about, like, the beginning of the prologue. Oh, yeah, with, uh, with Smeagol, Smeagol finding the ring. So, yeah, this was a scene that's done to hilarious effect in uh, the Ralph Bakshi version. Uh-huh. Where it's oh, just two God. guys, like, standing in silhouette, 
He's like, look, I found a ring. It's like, well, give it to me. It's my birthday and I want it. He's like, no. And then he just like strangles him like immediately. <laughs> uh, that that whole like prologue and backsheets is just so embarrassing with the silhouettes. But this is a great prologue. We get Smeagol and his brother Deagle. We get Andy Circus out of uh, motion capture for once. So I guess he was going to be... Gollum no matter what though, right? Oh yeah, he was going to be Gollum no matter what. So they'd already planned on that when they're having him as the live action mm-hmm. regular Schmeagle. When he's got all the crazy like makeup on. Yeah. Like his transformation into Gollum is so fucking cool. Oh yeah, Which that is was like, a, like reminded his gnarly me. teeth and his like crazy gloved hands and his... The scene of him cr- climbing up the mountain, did you guys not think of the Grinch? A little bit. A little bit. I did. In hindsight. When he's like, I hate Christmas. I hate. (laughs) Oh, my God. I hate hobbitses. It is like the Grinch. Sweet Jesus. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, my sister's going to love hearing this. Yeah. So it's a very goofy shot of Deagle getting pulled underwater by the fish. Yeah. Deagle. Deagle Deagle gets pulled under the water. Okay. Getting pulled by the fish. And yeah, you can It's like a green screen shot of him being like pulled. Yeah, that's that's the one VFX shot that stood out the most is one that didn't quite hold up as well, I think. That was the goofiest shot, but yeah, then he finds the ring. He's also like floating underwater and it looks really goofy. He finds the ring, uh Schmeagel kills his brother for it and he gets cast out and we see it over the course of several years he turns into a drummer. I mean, no. <laughs> doesn't De- the actor who plays Deagle kind of look like Matt Barry? Yeah, I really, for a second, I was like, oh, is no. this Matt Barry in an early role? No. I wish. No, yeah. But... <laughs> Would have been funny. But Andy Serkis, what a good actor. For yeah. real. Like... I can't wait to see him play Alfred. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. He's playing Alfred in the new Batman. That's crazy. It's like, man, he's always a great actor for Alfred. They never fuck that up. True. Jeremy Irons or... uh. Michael Caine. My cocaine. My cocaine. Like, even the one in the in the four, like, Burton and, ni- like, 90s and 80s films is still a pretty good album. He was a solid actor, yeah. He wasn't a badass yet. No, he went... Yeah, this was before it was like, no, let's give him a cool army veteran background. Which is funny because that, that actor played, like, a lot of really active and badass characters in, like, a lot of, like, amicus and Europe and British horror films and stuff throughout oh, the 60s and 70s. Bit of a Donald Pleasance. Oh, so I guess that's why Tim Burton hired him, huh? Most likely. Well, anyway, yeah, so Return of the King, so yeah, we get Schmeagel's origin story, and I was wondering, why don't they have maps? I was one. I, I, you brought that up, and I was wondering that too. Why they don't have a map to where they're fucking going? But so also, the, the volcano's right there, so the story can happen. Well, no, my best guess is because they have, you know, I mean, the fellowship is made up of like, you know, Gandalf is a well-traveled guy. He knows all all across the lands. He knows everything but like the back of his hand. And then Aragorn himself is a tracker. He's a ranger. He knows where he's going all the time. Legolas also a tracker. He's got like great vision. You oh yeah, we skipped far. over the racist line. Uh, what do your elf eyes? What do your elf eyes see? It's yeah, like, what do your elf eyes see? I don't know. It? What do your human noses smell? Can your Fuck human you. ears? See, can your human ears hear this? Fuck you! <laughs> Gimli comes up. He's like, "Hey, man, that's kind of harsh. Fuck you, you stupid like. What do, what do your do your dwarf legs see feel about that?" Uh, but yeah, so but they get lost and like, but yeah, so they have they have Schmeagel as their guide. But Sam pointed out that like, 
Frodo has an affinity for Schmeagel because he needs to believe that Schmeagel can be saved because then there's hope for him because he feels himself being eaten up by the darkness of the ring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, like That's a good explanation. That's like, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of addiction metaphors for the ring. Yeah, very so. much so. Like That's a pretty strong theme is addiction and corruption. Uh, there's a really interesting like uh, uh, theme that I kind of heard when it comes to the ring and that's also a further extension of the environmentalism message is that uh it's not so much uh about like taking a greater power and using it to like like control the world because no matter what it's an evil and we should nobody should have it and destroying it is what leads to a better world so what is it a metaphor for i don't know like industrialism oh yeah possibly capitalism i'm sure to some people well too bad whatever anybody feels like that should maybe a metaphor for but hey then again also tolkien didn't want to didn't mean it to be a metaphor anyway because guys i just wanted to write some cool shit it's a metaphor for how men shouldn't wear jewelry like because uh as people might know tolkien was notorious for not wanting for not liking metaphor in his own stories like he himself did not write Lord of the Rings with any metaphor in mind, and he's fine with anybody reading metaphor into Lord of the Rings, but he didn't like anybody trying to be all like, oh, I understand what this represents in your book. Like, don't try to interpret his intention. Yeah, exactly. The door's red because I wrote it red. Fuck you. Exactly. Sad, <laughs> like, uh... So Gimli and Aragorn, after looking for Merry and Pippin, they finally come across them uh, feasting and smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking that long bottom leaf. Hell yeah. And have insulted pork. Ah, oh, man, it's great. They're, they are just it. living their best life. And my God, what a scene that was cut from the theatrical version. I'm sorry, I got to show it to you some sometime, Chris, because it is so good. The Saruman's last scene in Isengard, uh, you know, like... Cause, Where Wormtongue gets a... Yeah, Wormtongue stabs him to death. And they have a great bit. I've I've heard about this before where, like, you know, he, he, he stabs him in the back, right? Yeah. Like, and it's like Christopher Lee was criticizing them. It's like, no, that's not how you do it. Oh, yeah, how would you know? Because I did it. <laughs> I killed 38 Nazis. That's probably oh. a conservative number. He probably killed a lot more. Oh, yeah, yeah. he probably killed a way a lot more. He was. But it's age. like I, I love that notion of, like, Christopher Lee is correcting Peter Jackson's directing because he knows exactly what it's like to murder someone with <laughs> stabbing them in the back. No, and it's a there's a great Christopher Lee story where he was talking about hanging out with John Landis. Mm-hmm. And he's like super old, and he's like John Landis is like, "Hey, so what did you do? Just tell me what you did during the war." And Christopher Lee's like, "Well, John, can you keep a secret?" And John's like, "Yeah, yeah." And Christopher Lee's like, "Well, so can I." <laughs> Christopher Lee is such a great character. Like not he was only, a real badass man. Like, not only was he a real badass, but he was also a huge Lord of the Rings fan. <coughs> like really? Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he he was head of uh, like a Lord of the Rings fan club at one point. Oh wow, awesome! So he was one of the first nerds. He was one of the <laughs> earliest nerds of Lord of the Rings. He's the chattest nerd ever. He loved Lord of the Rings. It's part of why he hated like. Uh, it, it was a bit of a controversy when Return of the King came out, and they cut his scene from that. Uh, he like, like he, he kind of wanted to like end a, like a professional career with Peter Jackson over it because he thought it was like so integral to the story, and it, it, he hated that it had to be cut for timing. 
I guess they must have reshot a whole scene then, too. Well, no, the scene was filmed. It's just, you know, it's a No, matter. but I mean the scene where Gandalf's like, let him remain there. Oh, yeah, that whole thing was definitely shot later. <laughs> Probably just threw him on a green screen. Yep, pretty much. But yeah, it would have been nice to see Wormtongue and Saruman get a little bit more closure, so I'm going to investigate the extended cuts at some point. If anything, I just needed to make sure we could record this episode. I, I found a, a Screen Rant has a pretty good top 10 scenes added in extended cut that I'll totally send you. Sure. Yeah, I, I researched that same article as well. But yeah, Return of the King, uh, it's a lot of goodies. Three so three hours and 20 minutes. Uh, so yeah, Helm's, Helm's Deep, they're pretty much secure, so Theoden and the Riders of Rohan... They're finally deciding. It's like you gotta go to fucking Gondor, dude. And the and Theoden is not oh, yeah, game for it initially because it's like, well, they never came to help us. You yeah, didn't ask those. them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and um, uh, I should have to ask the, them. Pippin finds the orb underwater, and he ponders it. He ponders he wa- it too he wants, hard. He wants to ponder it, but he doesn't at first because Gandalf takes it. Yeah, that's when we see that Gandalf sleeps with his eyes open. Yeah, like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> he sleeps with his eyes open, but it doesn't stop Pippin from robbing him. So, yeah, and well, then, he's and not then, magic. And then he, <laughs> yes, he is. And then he ponders the shit out of that orb. I know. And he again. ponders back. Yeah, it's like inter- it's apparently interrogating him. Uh huh. It's like, if where's pon- Frodo? <laughs> if you ponder the orb long enough, the orb ponders back. It's a very Twin Peaks The Return scene, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Over, like, ah! And there's, like, sort of a step frame going on. Yeah, a little bit of step frame to show that it's magic. And yeah. that it's the early 2000s. Yep. And then also Aragorn grabs the orb, too, and so Sauron also knows that the era of Elendil has been found. Oh, shit. Okay, so, yeah, this is very important. So, yeah, so because he took the orb, it's time to take him to Gondor as, like, isn't that bait? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They talk about <coughs> setting a trap, I think, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're, they're trying to set a trap so that Sauron like acts quickly without like planning fully. And no, that's so, later and so on. That, and so that they can conceal Frodo. And... That's later on after the Battle of okay. Minas Tirith, though. No, yeah, well, no, that's also part of it. Okay, but so they're going to Minas Tirith, um, and they use Pippin's uh, love for destruction to light the Torch of Gondor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the beacons of Amandia. Which go all the way through the all the way through the lands to the, ask for help across the mountains to the to the gap of Rohan, yeah. And uh, Arwen is she, she's going to live in the immortal lands, but then she has a dream that it's like, wait a minute, if I marry him, I could have like a cute baby. Dad, you didn't tell me that I could have a cute baby. And he's like, I didn't want you to know because I'm Philip K. Dicking this. There's only there's different realities, and some of them are bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he has the gift of foresight after all. Yeah, it's got to suck. It does. It does suck for him. He has a hard time controlling it. He is so sweet. He really loves his daughter. Well, you know, I mean, he's he he had to watch his brother die a mortal life, and so I guess he doesn't really want to see his daughter go through that. Brother, you're aging. Stop it. Stop aging, you freak. Stop aging, you fool. Uh, and and on, on top of that, you also get to see Brett from uh, Flight of the Concords in there. So he is in there. Yeah, he's he's the one that says, Lady Arwen, we cannot delay. Oh, that was him. That was him. That was Brett. <laughs> I thought he was in The Hobbit. No. Okay, I'm mixed up. <laughs> and um, He was in New Zealand at the time. And they're going to rebuild uh, Aragorn's family sword. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool scene. Which it's is a nice present to make for your ex-boyfriend, you know. It's an interesting move because uh, 
uh, in the uh, book difference, uh, Aragorn actually leaves uh, Rivendell with the sword of a uh, Valindial like put together. In the book, it is distinctly two pieces. Yeah, like it's not they, like, like have it like it's a million shards in this one. It's amazing that they remade it. Yeah, like two, like several, like larger chunks <laughs> that they put together. I mean, they used magic, which I guess helps. Yeah, elven magic to put together this magic sword. And uh, who's the actor who is um, the steward of Gondor? Oh, that... He was in Fringe. He's a great actor. He's a great actor. I'm trying to remember his... He's been playing an old man forever. He's a crazy old man forever. Yeah. That eating scene is disgusting. It's such a, you know... I wanted more of that from the Baron in Dune. Just gross (laughs) eating. Oh, yeah. Same. Like, that's something that got cut for his, his, uh... His his part in the movie, for Dune, yeah, just not enough Stellan Sarsgaard eating in his fat suit. John yeah. Noble, that's his John name. Noble, he's great. John Noble's a great actor, and he does a really good job. Another YouTube criticism that I see is that John Noble overacts in this movie as Denethor. How can you how can you overact in these movies? And then on top of that, that his motivations are super unclear. His motivations are that his limited power is draining away. I I could kind of see it. But uh, that's because I feel like there's something that's kind of crucial that's, like, removed that's in the book. And that's that Denethor has a Palantir. He's, oh. he's been pondering an orb this whole time. Uh, trying to see what Sauron's been doing to give his country an advantage. But it's taking a toll on his sanity hearing Sauron's voice going back to him through see, the orb. this is why boomers can't have the internet. <laughs> yeah, they just see all sorts of they weird doomer shit, shit, and they like, just oh. like start to think the they world's gonna scary headlines. Foreigners are taking our jobs. <laughs> yeah, so so there is a part of the quality of uh, why he acts like that, kind of removed from the movie, that I think would have been important. J.R. Tolkien hated the internet. Clearly, he hated it. <laughs> Almost very, as much as he hated World War One. Tolkien hated Facebook. <laughs> I, I think more than anything, he hated telephones. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it comes across as is that oh these wacky telephones oh taking call during fucking dinner what the fuck is this <laughs> what's so fucking important you gotta phone me during my fucking second supper <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicholas Holt played him in a movie yeah I still not need kind of want to see it I'm curious but I always really wanted to have Tolkien and his wife fighting where she's like why don't you get off your bloody ass always sitting around writing about these fucking hobbits she's like I'll put fucking food on the table writing about these fucking hobbits you fucking cunt (laughs) (laughs) and Sam would be like Sam would be like that's not how he talked and I'd be like were you there (laughs) 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 that like this isn't a snooty interview with a literary magazine this is his wife you know, he was like, you fucking cunt. If it wasn't for these fucking hobbits, our fucking kids wouldn't be going to fucking call it. <laughs> oh, my God. Lay off me. But, uh, uh, Minas Tirith, like, how cool is, like... It's got a great design. It's got, like, the top tower that's, like, kind of a boat-looking thing. Yeah, it's, like, basically it's the side of, like, a cliff, kind of. And, and then it's just, like a like, a ring of cities built on top of it. So yeah, so Faramir is kind of like guarding the river, which is that uh, Osgiliath, Osgiliath, and mm-hmm. that gets quickly run overrun by Urukai and orcs who are just they yep. just uh, they they D Day that shit, man. They storm not, the beach at Normandy. They're not fucking yeah. around. And like that place gets immediately overtaken, and he goes back and he's like, "Dad, all the orcs have taken over the city," and he's like, "Yeah, you know your brother." 
never let that city get taken over. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll go back. And he literally says, like, I hope you'll like me more when I come back. And he's like, depends on how you come back. Yeah, and then he comes back full of arrows. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my boy, I finally love you now that you're dead. You know, this is one of my fa- This was my favorite thing about <laughs> uh, Return of the King. And it had me cracking up so fucking hard thinking about it while watching it is it's like you know um which i i always get them i always get mary and pippin mixed up which one was with gandalf in that was pippin that's pippin, pippin. Yeah. so it's like pippin discovers faramir's not dead but this guy is going oh my son is dead he's so dead and it's like it got me thinking like what if faramir could actually speak it's like, guys, I'm not dead. I'm right here. Oh, my son I can is still hear his voice now. <laughs> and I'm just, not dead. Just thinking about Faramir trying to communicate that he's not dead while the father is going on about how dead he is just had me laughing so fucking hard at my desk. Yeah, but when he's like, especially later on when they're going to cremate him, it's like, guys, do not burn me. I am not dead. <laughs> he says that the dad has probably the most heavy metal line where he's like, we shall burn like the heathen kings of old. Yeah. And then the, da- the dad gets lit on fire and runs out and just off the jumps ledge. Up. I bro, I I had tears in my eyes from fucking laughing at that. So yeah, and also when he's on fire, the orcs are already attacking. It would have been so great to see that his burning body like killed a couple of orcs. Oh, like, he was able to actually if he, like, help landed his on a few orcs. Yeah. No, no, it would have been even more poetic if he landed like next to a group of orcs to show just how fucking useless he was. <laughs> They're throwing their burning leaders at us. <laughs> Fall back. They're taking a page from our playbook. <laughs> you useless scum, get back in there. Let's fire back. No, not me, someone else. Yeah. Quick, light that guy on fire and vault him over the wall. We <laughs> shall return in kind. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, them no. them catapulting dead body parts is yeah, so catapulting fucking a, awesome. Catapulting a bunch of, yeah, like, like the, release the prisoners and then they yeah. catapult all the decapitated heads. And it's like, you know, like, you know, having gone back and watched this now, I totally see why metal is attracted to Tolkien. Like, Absolutely. This shit's brutal. It's pretty metal, dude. And, um, yeah, Faramir gets dragged back by the horse. <laughs> like, he's yeah. just on yeah, the floor and the rough. horse just drags that, that him was, back. That was kind of funny. And since, you know, you told me that horses have feelings, I guess that horse just didn't give a shit that much. He's well, like, I, mean, he just I watched... made it back. Well, that horse just watched all of his horse buddies get killed. Yeah, so why would he give a shit? Why would he give a shit about this guy? Like yeah, all he's dra- drag dragging is a, is a richer guy. Well, yeah, fuck this guy. I'm just it's like fine. I got you back home. I fulfilled my contract. Release me now. Well, fuck you, Faramir. <laughs> so, uh, this movie also. Uh, so so I was discussing earlier about how like the orcs kind of went through like an interesting development like behind the scenes as the movies went on, and this is kind of where the orcs finally reach like. They were trying to outmatch how like badass the Urukai were in two towers. So the orcs in this one, they call which they call like Sauron's orcs or like the skull face orcs. This is where like they try to make the orcs really badass. Like they're standing upright. They've got more like jagged scale armor. They're not they're kind of got red underneath. They're not diaper walking as much. They're not diaper walking, and they've got like instead of the big uh, as uh, as as Jackson called them the witchy poo noses, which a lot of the orcs had. <laughs> Uh, instead, they've got like this kind of like covering up where their nose is like a, the opening, the opening cavity of a skull. Instead, that's yeah, really and cool. like more, 
Gothmog has like all the tumors. Yeah, uh, that was that was Peter Jackson's idea to make him, as he put it, a John Merrick figure. He looks so loud. <laughs> I just want to sleep like an ordinary man. <laughs> he he actually showed off to the behind the scenes guys like he wanted to be a, like a John Merrick orc, and when he was shown the initial prosthetics. So uh, Peter Jackson like saw like he was uh, like looking at the clay figure that they had come up with, and he like took another big ball of clay and just slammed more on top of it, and he's like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and thus the elephant orc was born. I am not an animal. I'm an orc. I am an orc. Oh, which also reminds me of a. Uh, so, I don't know if you see in the Battle of Pelennor Fields, there's a giant, like, dead mummakill uh, so in the background. And they built that giant mummakill. which What's is a mummakill? Uh, the, sorry, the giant elephants. The Oliphants? They're oh. also called? They actually built a real one just the, to have in the background? Yeah. Oh, That's shit. That's awesome. It took, like, seven trucks to carry that whole thing together. <laughs> this, these movies are, it's amazing that they exist. And I love the, uh, the uh, what made a... Well, what got that whole thing started was that Peter Jackson was like going around looking at all the like clay sculptures and the designs for the behind the scenes and whatnot, and he just picked up a Mama Kill like clay sculpture and just slammed it on the floor <laughs> and said, "Okay, guys, I want that, but bigger, sort of like background piece." <laughs> Listen, you fat piece of shit. We worked on that for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a lot of discussions of excess when it comes to Peter Jackson for this movie, especially with uh the Witch King's giant like Morning Star. Yes, that is the that is the most needlessly giant fucking Morning Star I've ever seen. Right when and, he pulls it out to fight Aomir. And like Peter Jackson like kept telling them, guys, I need that bigger, bigger. Yeah, but that makes bigger. And then eventually the, reached to a point where like the lead like uh, head of Weta Workshop was like, guys, I'm getting really embarrassed carrying this thing back and forth the way it is. And he like eventually at one point like just hid it under his jacket. And there's <laughs> there's a great like uh there's a great behind the scenes shot of like Pete actually trying to use the fucking thing and he's like trying to swing it around and it gets caught in his director's vest and he like almost topples <laughs> over trying to spin it and eventually he's like eh, I guess you could use this I I kind of wanted it bigger though <laughs> I kind of wanted it bigger and and the actor who plays the witch king uh he's like fuck you well, you've turned me into John Merrick orc already well to, to to quote he's like some called it a mace some called it a morning star I called it damned heavy this was damned heavy <laughs> i call it shoulder pain because he couldn't lift it like he couldn't actually swing the fucking thing for a fight scene it had to it took three other guys to stay behind it to kind of push it up into frame what's it made of it's it's like made of i, I forget what it's made of it's not metal it's like yeah, obviously it's basically a really dense like uh like like foam essentially <laughs> It's like in a Blade Runner, the actual firing prop was like 20 pounds. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> That's crazy. So there, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of tales of excess when it comes to the behind the scenes of, the, of this one. But the Witch King, though, talking of what a great character when the nail helmet and everything and the spikes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot even of... the Fell Beast has like new bling on him with the spiky helmet. Mm-hmm. Is it interesting? I should try and find the uh, the original design of the Witch King's helmet. It's essentially more like a spiky bucket, which uh, 
got redesigned because like people like like producers are coming by and it's like oh sauron takes part in the fight <laughs> i remember yeah i've seen those drawings uh, yeah, I, and um i kind of wish they could have done the original like book uh design which is essentially an invisible head with a little crown on top mm-hmm. which would have been neat but i think they i mean they picked this because it was obviously a little more intimidating that they had to do i mean it's just metal dude it is pretty damn metal <laughs> but um yeah what I like about this one is like both uh, Mary and Pippin at one point don uniforms. You know, they're ready to kick some ass. They're oh, going yeah. into war, man, and like <clears throat> Mary's kind of become a squire to uh, Aomir. Yeah, yeah. He just like he he just like jumps in and offers himself, and Gandalf's just like, God damn it! <laughs> oh yeah, Pippin going yeah. off to be a bodyguard to Denethor. Yeah, he does the vow and everything, but like, it's badass, dude, because they're. They're not afraid, you know. They're, they're not. They're not a bunch of slackers anymore. Yeah, yeah they're like they smoked all their weed. <laughs> it's like they're more sober th- now. Mary and Pippin are like Mordecai and Rigby. <laughs> <laughs> dude, we can't smoke any more Longbottom Leaf. Ah, but I like smoking Longbottom Leaf in the evening. Yeah, but dude, there won't be a park if we don't win. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't win this prank war, the park will cease to exist. It is the it is a really large scale prank war. It is. Scott, JG Quintel, if you've made it this far into Triptych, please come back and give us a, a Lord of the Rings regular show parodies. <laughs> After you do the Halloween six one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Plus station baby. What <laughs> If we ever do t-shirts, I hope we can make a bus station baby t-shirt. Oh, that'd be hilarious. You Just know, Paul, Paul Rudd looking really sketchy. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, Skips would be Gandalf. Oh yeah, Skips is absolutely. Gotta, Skips is literally Gandalf. You gotta take the ring to Mount Doom, guys. <laughs> it's the only way. And of course, Muscle Man is Gimli. Muscle Man is Gimli, which makes a. Uh, High the, five uh, goes Legolas. The the immortal babies would probably be the elves of Rivendell. <laughs> yep. <the council. laughs> uh, they all still talk like this. Thomas has to be Frodo. Yeah. Because he just doesn't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um. I feel like the uh. Oh man. The so if the the immortal babies are the elves of Rivendell. Then the fucking David Bowie looking dude is Elrond. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Cast it into the fire. Here, here's here's the real question though. Who's Benson? Uh, Benson's more Boromir, right? <laughs> yeah, I feel like Benson's pretty Boromir actually. Give yeah. them a moment for pity's sake. <laughs> it's like give me the ring, you slacker. Give me the ring. I'm gonna do fire. it right. Yeah. JJ so. Quintel, please give us Halloween Six and give us the Lord of the Rings trilogy as regular show parodies. <laughs> so here's a good question: What's the best Lord of the Rings parody that you guys can think of? I remember there was mm. one on Mad TV years ago called "The Lords of the Bling," that was pretty funny. But I already know the answer to this question: Is the South Park one? Yes, of course. It is. When they when they're returning the porno videotape. Yes. Oh yeah, that is a good one. And Butters watches it, so he, he becomes a porno addict, so he's all gollum. Go- <laughs> I still love the, uh, there's like a lot of digs at Harry Potter in that one. It's like they're passing by the kids, the other kids playing Harry Potter, and like, what are you guys doing? We're playing Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he calls him something that we can't call people anymore, but yeah. <laughs> but he says it in such a hilarious <laughs> way. It's just like so dismissive because they're it's like, hi, you guys are losers. <laughs> and then later on, they're like, cut. 
Come on, we gotta cross the river. Middle schoolers hate water. What? That's stupid. No, it's not stupid, Craig. I'm a wizard. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm gonna go play Harry Potter with the other kids. <laughs> me too. Stupid. Fine, you go play your Harry <laughs> stupid pussy Potter. <laughs> I just love that token... Like, he's like, I'll watch the videotape. And he goes in, and then when he comes out, he doesn't have the Lord of the Rings happen anymore. I'm done. Like, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. <laughs> I love it. The, I love at the end, the parody of, the, of, uh, so it's like, you know, um, at the end, you know, jumping way far ahead, you know, at the end, we've got Gollum and Frodo fighting over the ring, and eventually frodo just fucking chucks Gollum <laughs> with the ring into the the lava and no, I they fall the, together oh yeah. no that's right yeah they go over together but i love how in uh in south park butters won't let go of the tapes of stan's just like all right fuck it go and he just, just throws puts them into the video and even though it's just like a small little bin that the tape goes into you still hear that my precious as if he's fallen like thousands of feet down <laughs> classic uh, so, yeah, so Frodo and Frodo and the gang, they're going, and Gollum's really psyching himself up about letting a giant spider murder them. Yeah. And Sam's like, hey, I heard him talking about murdering us with a giant spider, and Frodo's like, oh, you're always so mean to him. <laughs> Man. Dude, dude, Gollum gaslights the fuck out of these guys in this one. Well, they're also... So... He hates us, the fat hobbits. They're, they're tired, and they're underfed, you know, they're having a hard time thinking straight. Yeah. yeah, and the corruption of the evil ring, it's literally making his neck bleed. Man, when, I know, when like the, fucking... The, the bruising is like around his, his neck, neck yeah. is insane. Because it's, so... it's getting heavy for him. Yeah, it's like, like literally heavy. heaviness. I could carry the ring for you, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. Oh, that is like, that's Such a my favorite scene, scene dude, honestly. When, dude, when, when fucking... So Gollum takes their elf bread and ditches it. And then he put, puts the crumbs on Sam. And it's like yeah. that scene where Frodo tells Sam to fuck off and go home is so heartbreaking. It, it is. really is, man. Because Gollum so immediately betrays him. Yeah, for real. But it's like, it, it's like watching Sam. It's just like, oh, no. But he gets it. But he, he gets his groove back fighting Shelob. What do you guys think of uh, the look of Shelob, by the way? Fucking awesome. I, I do. I love Shelob. The, anytime you see a spider kind of coming out of a hole. Yeah. You know, like that's such a creepy image. I realize horror movie. Yeah, no, and I realize like, I don't know, giant spiders don't scare me that much. Little spiders scare me. It's an interesting <laughs> behind the scenes with the spider, uh, both from Tolkien and from Jackson's perspective. So the reason why Tolkien kind of has spiders like being these big evil things is because like, so Tolkien was raised in South Africa when it is like younger years. Interesting. And, and he fell into like I I can't remember what it was, but it was like he like his fell into a cave with a giant spider. <laughs> well, no, he 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 was like he like uh like like it was kind of like a mine mining tunnel because his father was a miner. That's how he lost his father too. He was a miner. Then how was he even born? That's that's young as fuck, bro. Uh, ah. I mean, you know, it was the early ages. <laughs> <laughs> so his so his dad died in a mining accident. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. And then not too long, his mother died, too. Of what? Illness. In a mine. Not a mine. <laughs> In a mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, his mother was a teacher. He's got a thing against a mines. A mining teacher. <laughs> but so, like... That's why he hates mines. So he, fell, but, so he fell into, like, a tunnel, like, full of spiders, and ever since then he, like, really hated spiders. Oh, wow, that's horrifying. And in lore of Lord of the Rings, 
So most evil creatures come from like dark lords, the Balrogs, the dragons, the orcs, the trolls, like are corrupted beings yeah. that were good things. Spiders are, are just evil. Just like <laughs> they're so evil they just came out of the ether <laughs> evil. Like and even Shilo. the dark lords can't control them. But, uh, <laughs> even the, even Sauron's like you you stay over there. <laughs> and then for Peter Jackson, for the the reasoning for the designing is uh so Peter Jackson, he liked to play with uh, like little toy soldiers when he was a little kid, and to and for like his favorite uh, place to do it was he would go under his house, and he got uh, nearly attacked by this giant like New Zealand spider. Oh, oh Jesus! And that traumatized him for like life. And it was he he looked through like spider like uh like biology books so that he could point out that specific type of spider for them to use in the design of Shelob. That's him. That's the fucker right there. <laughs> Make him the bad guy. And I like how he then how they kill Shelob, but then Shelob they don't come... kill Shelob. No? No, 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 they don't kill Shelob. They just wound her. Like, oh, okay. I thought it died. Well, no, no, she but I love how she, I love how she comes back for her next role in King Kong. <laughs> she she probably like I think like the, just to be shot to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> I think kind of the fan theory is that she ate herself. Yeah. Okay. You see spiders have like an un like an insatiable like gluttony. Mm-hmm. And so like like most spiders have been known to like either just like eat themselves to like bursting or they like just end up eating themselves to death. Nice. Jeez. I like the she love though. If you look though, when Sam's kind of fighting her, like she doesn't have all eight eyes. She's like battle scarred. Yeah, she's like got some eyes like burnt or something. Yeah, like there's like part of her, some of her flesh is exposed under the fur. I really like watching Frodo go through the cave and getting all caught up in those sticky webs. Dude, that's such yes. a fucking nightmare. Like I hate uh, web. I hate webs more than I hate spiders sometimes. <laughs> just like and even just like that whole notion of trying to get away and being slowed down. It's just like in uh in the original Nightmare on Elm Street when Nancy's running from Freddy and she's in the house again and, her... and she tries to go up the stairs and it's just like the marshmallowy goop and shit <laughs> that her feet are sinking into the stairs while Freddy's breaking into the house behind her. It's so it's like oh yeah 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 no sh- uh, Shalub Shalub Shelob. Shelob. Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> Tony, Tony Shelob. Tony Shelob from Monk. <laughs> yeah, she, she stabs Frodo with a fucking poison. And it, yeah, like, her it, poison it, Oh, I love that scene where it's like Shelob. Why didn't the mithril protect him? Well, uh, you know, it's like a piercing thing. We also don't see where she exactly stabbed. For all we know, we could have like... No, we, we don't see that. Like, it's like her stinger lands off camera. Like, oh, we know it could have gone love, under the shirt. I love that scene so much where it's like Shelob comes out of the cave and it's like she's playing with him. It's like kind of stalking him from behind, looks behind, not there. And then he just turns around and you don't even see the stab. It's all sound design, just that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> no, she, you'd see the perfect, like, and this is horrifying. And just the perfect, like, him wrapping up. him up. You know? Yeah. It's like, eh, then she's going to dissolve him and then drink him like a juice box, like a Capri Sun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what the orc says. And, um, this fellow ain't dead. But that's got to be a line in the book, though, right? When Sam's like, not asleep, dead. Yeah, kind of. That feels like book writing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, why are you talking to the. <laughs> Sam, why is you fool? As he's watching the orcs, like, and it is a, it him. is like a piece of shit moment. It's like, oh, so when I was dead, you left, you let them desecrate my corpse, but you made sure to take the ring, huh? <laughs> piece of shit. 
<laughs> yeah, he looks really bad when he's just like wrapped up in the webs. Just all pale. Yeah. His, eye, his eyes are open. His eyes are just glazed over. He's Gandalf napping. <laughs> yeah, hardcore Gandalf Taking napping. a Gandalf nap. Who's the uh, actor who plays that orc that is going to... He's like, oh, let's take him up to the tower. Um, I, I looked that up before. I know the orc's name, though, so I can look that up. He's, anybody notable? I don't know if he's anybody no- notable. The orc's name is Shagrat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shagrat, baby. Shagrat, baby Shagrat. Shagrat. Oh, wait, no, his name isn't Shagrat. That was another work. Of course, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, but I'm close. Uh, Shagrat was the Urukai that, like, was like, that Fight. shiny shirt, that's mine. It's not gonna fit you, you fat bastard. Gorbag, that's his name. Gorbag. Hold on, Gorbag? Gorbag, yeah. Okay, hold on. I'm on Metal Archives right now. Oh, you're looking up to see if that's anybody? G O R E bag? Uh, G-O-R-B-A-G. Okay. Hold on. Let's see. No matches. Guy. Oh, oh man, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I could have totally jumped on that. You will jump on it. We'll let it decide. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you don't The actor is... I'm a... shocked that's not taken. That's, like, fuck. Steven Err. He's got a good face for it. He's got. He certainly has the orc face. Too bad we didn't have Doug Jones. Yeah, too bad Doug Jones wasn't in these movies. I know. You. I wonder if he would have been in The Hobbit somewhere. Hmm, that's a good question. I gotta look that up sometime. Like, if Del Toro had done his version of The Hobbit, which would have been fucking dope. I think, who could Doug Jones have played in The Hobbit? Maybe The Witch King. Not The Witch King. Uh... The Necromancer? Yeah. Okay, I can see that. But, uh, anyway, so... Uh... The hobbits are getting ready for battle. <coughs> and, um, yeah, Mary's riding with uh, Aomir. Aowen. With Aowen. Yeah, Mary's riding with Aowen because she needs someone to cover her boobs. <laughs> so and use a she's tiny doing, hobbit. She's doing the Mulan thing. She's doing the Mulan. The Battle of Pelennor Fields is, like, so epic. So that that's the battle where the Oliphants and everything... Yeah, that's with the, with the Oliphants charging against the Riders of Rohan. Favorite moment in the whole series for me is Aomir versus the Witch King. Aowyn versus the Witch King. Yeah. Aowyn. I am no man. Stabs him in the face. <laughs> Dude, so cool. But that's, like, that's pretty hardcore. In the book, she chops off her head and it's like an invisible head plopping. Yeah, but I like the just sword going into the face. Yeah. <laughs> like that's The that's whole face enough. just kind of implodes. <sighs> and then it crumples up like the a face, tinfoil. The face poltergeists itself. There's a weird suspect anatomy to which, to, to like Nazgul, like in Fellowship, like Aragorn throws a torch at one of them and it like sticks it inside their hood. <laughs> like there isn't a face in there. Like, or yeah, they the just face, have like, like a stabbed him like in a little hole, there. like a jack o' lantern. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, that that whole fight is pretty cool. Eowyn fighting the Witch King is super badass. The Oliphants, I like the Mad Max guy that pilots the Oliphants with the chain in between their tusks to just sweep people. Yeah. There's some cool, like, tusk weapons on those things that are pretty badass like there's the sweeper and there's just like some that are just like big spikes on the ends that they just swing around with and you got the one guy who's standing on top with the flamethrower guitar just cheering everyone oh yeah (laughs) he has no eyes the haradrim are pretty cool like in design i know i just don't like the men that are fighting for sauron why not what do you mean because they're evil oh yeah they're pretty evil 
the Easterlings and the Haradrim. Now, are the elephants evil, or are they just being enslaved? Uh, they're being enslaved. Okay, I feel bad for them. Yeah, me too. They didn't deserve to be killed so badly. Yeah, especially by Legolas. <laughs> or, or, or like when you see in the background in the like the army of the dead, there's like a big swarm that just like piles onto an elephant and like pulls it to the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot that uh, Aragorn is apparently the only one that control can control this army of the dead because Which, they promised to help his family. And that, the... that's another thing I love, and I was telling Sam about in the car on the way over here is another thing that made me laugh so fucking hard <laughs> was um. So it's like, you know how in all these movies and all these stories, it's like all these armies of these fantastical beings, they all like have their battle cries as they run off to charge their enemies and stuff. So what if when the ships arrive and the fucking ghost army like starts jumping over and charging all the the orcs, their battle cry, just imagine their battle cry just being Boo! <laughs> and you just see the orbs like ghosts, <laughs> <laughs> and they all just get terrified shitless of ghosts. Uh, they run like Scooby Doo characters. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and you have the actual Scooby Doo like as they are just like carving up orcs. <laughs> I kept thinking back to that, and it made me crack up so fucking hard. That's great. I do love the design of the army that did though they're very like kind of italian zombie i kind of wish that they could be could have been zombies uh, so originally the army of the dead were going to be like basically the, <clears throat> like you know kind of a game of thrones style like zombie horde but then pirates of the caribbean trailer came out and they're like shoot we Damn. can't do undead and, and you so know they made them green zombies them ghosts essentially this battle reminds me of another point also i love how this is just yet another movie that upholds the long standing tradition of hiding the wilhelm scream in there somewhere yeah, cuz it's in every one of them i think there's, yeah there's when the guy flies off the elephant there's two ah! wilhelm screams in this movie yeah there is yeah <laughs> where's the other one when when the when the gates of gondor are getting charged there's like one like minister soldier that gets like uh, thrown off or something, and then he screams. Ah! The screams. <laughs> it's such a comical thing. Like it's how how can you use it anymore? Wait, no, no, no. I'm thinking of uh of of two towers. No, it's when the the Nazgul are picking off the retreating like Gondorian soldiers, and one of them gets picked up and tossed down. <laughs> that's ah! that's where the Wilhelm screams <laughs> at for the first time in Return of the King. The fell beasts are really cool, man. The fell beasts are interesting designs. We gotta use the Wilhelm scream sometime, guys. Of course we should. Of course. So, again, you know, Lord of the Rings having really cool like creature designs just all over the place. Like oh, yeah. from like important creatures like the fell beasts to the uh, the huge like rhino creatures that are pulling Grond, the big metal battering ram. Grond. Yeah. Grond. That was crazy. It's a flaming battering ram. Yes, it's uh, it's named after uh Morgoth's mace. Oh, okay. It's, it's named after the the first Dark Lord's great weapon. Cool. Nice. I love when Gothmog is like, he's like telling them not to move when they're being catapulted at, and then the rock is coming towards him and he just sidesteps it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and spits on it. Yeah. How does he die eventually? Uh, Do we Aragorn, see him die? Aragorn and Gimli finish him off, I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, okay. Not very climactic, but yeah. So Aragorn has returned as king. Yep. He is king. They win the battle. And uh, Frodo and Sam are in the home stretch. 
They survive the spider attack. They Sam Samwise is a total badass. He just fights through a whole tower of orcs. And you know what's amazing is he never once put on the ring, even though it could have been really helpful. I do wonder sometimes because like Well he probably <clears throat> he probably saw like how what Frodo was going through just from the few times he wore the ring. So it's he's probably like, you know what? No. And I mean like that close to Sauron, it probably would have been even worse. No, so he's smart, but yeah, he fucking like a badass. He uses Sting more than Frodo does in these movies. Yeah. Well I mean Frodo doesn't really kill anybody. No. Sam is a Sam's a fucking badass. Yeah. Then they're going like, "This is one time where you really could have used shoes, guys. You're walking yeah. on volcanic rock and shit." Yeah, you're having a, you're you're having a hard time going up volcanic rock. It's super hot. There's fumes everywhere. It's like, you know, orcs are like wasteful jerks. There's probably like trash all over the place. <laughs> just just broken bottles everywhere. <laughs> broken bottles and like de- like pointed bones and like scraps of metal. But yeah, they make it up there to the door, and you know. Schmeagel's still there, um, and, like, they're being stared right at, but the fucking lighthouse beam of uh, Sauron's eyeball up on the tower. Yeah. But this is around the time, though, that they devise this plan to do uh, a diversion and just straight up storm the Black Gates. Which is pretty badass. He's like, there will be a day where men fail, but it will not be today. This day we fight. It's Aragorn's first real speech. Yeah. Stepping into a king's role. There's a, the, the, he's pretty badass as king in my opinion. There's a fight scene that I wish I, I kind of wish stayed in the stayed in the the movie where in which uh so like you see that Aragorn is fighting like a big troll with a sword. Mm-hmm. Originally that was supposed to be Sauron made manifest. Oh, is that in the extended cut? No, it is not in any cut. It's ah. a deleted scene that you could totally watch. That's pretty badass. I you know God so so wait so there there's even still deleted material past the extended versions oh yeah absolutely. well it's like alternate material that doesn't really fit into any cut so yeah like the live like the live Tyler stuff in two towers yeah exactly like gotcha. Arwen fighting uh, yeah like Aragorn was gonna fight Sauron it was gonna be pretty cool but Pete decided to move it because he figured well why would Sauron like get a physical body all of a sudden when he needs the ring to do that because it yeah. takes yeah and it takes away from uh, Frodo's own victory of like well, Frodo's ring. yeah Frodo doesn't really have a victory Frodo gives in at the end yeah, yeah. he's like he's he's doing the whole fucking shit. thing where he's like come on do it already and, do and it cast the ring in but first no. we get one of the saddest scenes where like because in the opening Gollum talks about how it's like I forgot the taste of bread I forgot the sound of trees and Sam's trying to talk to Frodo about like the Shire and he's like remember the taste of strawberries like I don't remember what food tastes like all I all I feel is darkness now. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's so fucked up. And it's like, and then they're going up there, and he's like, "You gotta, you gotta throw the ring," and he's like, "Nope, it, I'm invisible." That's the special thing about this movie. Like, uh, like, like people give like Lord of the Rings like some crap for being like you know basically the epitome of like fantasy saga epic type stuff. But there's a lot of like undercutting that they do that's really interesting. Like how Frodo like uh, essentially fails in his own mission. No, and that Schmeagel really who is a hero's journey, my fucking ass. Well, yeah, but Schmeagel's it's it's Schmeagel's journey. Yeah, because yeah. like he saves the day. Yeah, Schmeagel essentially saves the day by taking by by stealing the ring from Frodo and falling in, even if the falling in part was unintentional. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, I mean, like if it weren't for him, Frodo was probably just gonna like run off invisible. Because then, because then at the very end, when they return to Bag End, you know, 
we see Bo- we see Boromir as a force ghost, and then Smeagol as a force ghost. And <laughs> he's like normal again. Then <laughs> Hayden Christensen pops up next to him. <laughs> I killed all the halflings. But um, but no, that climactic scene where the ri- where they fight over the ring and Gollum goes in and it's it is so fucking good like i had to back it up a few times just because like of course that's the moment when i started getting actually busy at work uh, trying to watch this fucking fight, trying to finish this movie oh man <laughs> and it's but it was so satisfying was this fucking movie going to end yeah uh, Gollum bites off his finger and they both fall down together and then sam miraculously pulls frodo up even though his hand should be like slick with blood yeah. yeah, he pulls I, him up by the hand that has the bit off finger. I I I know this is really this is really silly, silly but uh, so like, you guys remember how? And I think it's the second Harry Potter film, or maybe the third. Uh, Ron and Harry are like in the flying car, and then the train. That's the second one. Yeah, it's yeah, second yeah. chambers. And the train sneaks up on him, and then Ron is like 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 hanging onto the car. And he's like, take my hand. And Harry's like, I can't. Your palms are too sweaty. Like, <laughs> I think of that with like Sam being all like, take my hand. Your, your hands are too bloody. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the shot, though, even though, yes, it is the, the, the now Marvel uh, special, the 100% CGI shot, the, the shot of Gollum going down the cavern into the and then hitting the lava just looks so fucking cool especially you know as he's going down and Gollum like puts his hand up and does the thumbs up as he sinks down into the lava (laughs) I like how long it takes the ring to actually burn like it sits on the lava for like a few minutes it sits on the crust of like Gollum's skin (laughs) another interesting thing that is kind of like carried over in a lot of stuff now is uh when the ring is destroyed and Barador blows up, the earth essentially opens up and like pulls in as many works as possible. I know, and it's like the, the the humans like right are on the edge. They're like right on the edge of where the all the destruction stops. Like none of them fall. Yeah, no. It's that classic element of like, oh, you killed the boss, so now all the enemies die. Yeah, I know. The orcs should be like just. The orcs, what, what should have happened is the orcs should have just, like, totally withered away, you know, almost like a Endgame style. How there it's we like, go, yeah. Nah. Nice, nice, clean ending. Now, there's, uh, there's some interesting stuff that supposedly happens in the appendices with orcs, like, trying to lead warbands and, like, discover a new Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm the new Dark Lord. No, okay. I'm the new Dark Lord. They all just fight each other to yeah, death. That's, that's, kind of, <laughs> that's probably how it would be. They need leadership. Yeah. They're fucking Germans, but, um, you know? But, yeah, and so uh, <laughs> then we get our multiple endings. Like, we, we end up... So the the birds finally get o- pull their heads out of their asses and get over themselves. Yeah, after and... throwing the ring in, Frodo's like, I do remember the Shire. It's like, yay! And then they're just lying on the volcanic rock. Waiting they should to be, die. They, they should, should be, be on fire. Yeah, they should be cooked to death. <laughs> yeah. This should, this should that... be Mustafar, like Anakin burning at the edge of the... The river of lava. I that close you. to lava will burn you alive. The bird, yeah. the birds show up finally. I hate you. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to touch lava for it to hurt you. Yeah, but the birds scoop them up gently with their giant claws, and it's then Gandalf's like, Gano's ow, like ow, "Ow, ow, 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 ow!" <laughs> they're trying to feed us to their to their young Mister Frodo. 
and then they get saved by the eagles, and then they wake up all, all right in Minas Tirith, and then they get bowed to at the coronation, and they go to, then they go home. My favorite scene is when they're all sitting at the bar, and they're just looking around, and like, there's all the hobbits like, look at the size of this pumpkin, eh? Oh. <laughs> and it's they're like, like, they're like war veterans, like, man. They'll never know Man, what we fuck went this through. Shit. <laughs> we, we can't believe we fought and died for this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> fought for this fucking country, man. Uh, Seen some things, man, and some stuff. And Sam gets the courage to ask Rosie out. Yeah, because he fucking he's killed thirty orcs by now. Yeah, something like that. And cut straight to their wedding. I'm amazed that Rosie never married anybody else. You've been gone for years. He's, he's got, they're gone for 13 months, which is almost as long as it took to shoot these movies. Probably, yeah. Really? <laughs> it only took that long? It took it took about a year and a half. Yeah, it took about a year and a half for uh, for actual shooting. I'm shocked it didn't take longer. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they had a they ran a tight ship. There was some there were some disasters that made it tough, like uh, you know that uh, that that village that's getting burnt in uh two towers, the uh, Rohan, little Rohan village. Yeah, closer to the beginning, right? Yeah. So when the, when the mom sends the two kids off, right? Yeah. So the it took it 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 was really hard to get the fire going to set that house on fire, but when it did, it, it like ran out of control and started burning down the entire fake set. Oh shit! <laughs> like getting to the grasslands and whatnot. Run! Run! run. <laughs> shit! Get out of here. Which is why, if you look carefully, you can see a guy in a soccer jersey and shorts running away. <laughs> <laughs> That's but not, um, that's not true. And then, uh, <laughs> but, but it's but event. But then you know they get they they have uh Frodo's writing in the Red Book, mm-hmm. Red Book of Westmarch. That's what it's called. He adds to Bilbo's story. It's like with a much superior, much longer story. Which I don't know if I told you, Briggs, but uh, so there's kind of this. I told Kreider about this. There's this sort of meta behind the scenes with the writing of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So, uh, initially Tolkien liked to play it up that he didn't technically write lord of the rings and the hobbit but he read about them in this red book he found in a village uh-huh and th- and that this book was written by frodo and bilbo and he was just transcribing it into like another into the language because he was the only one who could decipher it because it was written in like hobbit language and whatnot. interesting but then he had to admit that he did make it up when the baggins family tried to sue him <laughs> but he was able to uh you know escape the lawsuit when the book burned in a fire yeah, conveniently, it's such a Joseph Joseph Smith move. It is. It's like I lost the original text, but here's my translation. Yep, <laughs> exactly. A holy text. <laughs> they have Return of the King, solid ending to a solid trilogy. Yeah. I mean, when you think of movie trilogies, there's probably no better, just overall trilogy than Lord of the Rings. I like that there's no recasting. That's one benefit of like shooting all these movies in a row. Yeah. yeah that's... And then, yeah, this one, of course, like, became the juggernaut. It was the second movie to ever cross the billion-dollar mark at the box office, I think, at the time, because there was Titanic. Um, yeah, this was a huge release. Like, everyone was on the Lord of the Rings train by the time this one came out. Yeah, yeah they were. And, um, and, of course, it won all the awards. Yeah, this one is... Well, that's the first and only time he won Best Director, right? I'm pretty sure. So check it out. I'm looking at it now. This was nominated for 11 Oscars and won every single one of them and is now tied with only Titanic and Ben-Hur to do so. Wow. Damn. Ben-Hur? 
been the Oscars, so like think about that the oscars have been around since 1928 20 27 28 something like that mm-hmm. this has only happened th- we're we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the oscars this Holy decade shit. and this has only happened 3 times where the movie swept the nominations and won every single one of them it's pretty tight well, uh, before we get into the, our discussion of the trilogy overall, uh, what do you guys rank this one? I, I give it a ten out of ten. Yeah, this is a ten ten movie for sure. I'll go. I'll go nine out of ten on this one. I I gotta go ten ten on this one. Blame yourself. It's a little long. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> and like we've made the joke, but yeah, the endings do go on. But uh, so now, getting into the overall like impact of this trilogy, uh. To continue what you were talking about, Kreider, it really is like, this is like the trilogy in a lot of people's minds. I think only like ones that are maybe on par, like, you know, maybe like Star Wars, of Star course. Wars, yeah. Back to the Future, I would say. Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, very good trilogy. Godfather, maybe. Eh. <laughs> eh. I know, those two kind of carry it, but like, the, it is still called a trilogy. <laughs> Godfather 1 and 2 are essentially one movie to me. Yeah. They, I mean, hey, the, the used to be a cut is one big movie. It was pretty much tight. better, yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like this is. Like, I can't think of a trilogy that doesn't have any. Because even in the Dark Knight trilogy, I don't like recasting. You know, it ruins yeah. the continuity for yeah, me. Yeah, there's the recasting. There's a lot. There's some weird trilogies that do some like crazy recasting, like the, uh, the uh, shoot, what's it called? Written by that crazy lady. Um, uh, Atlas Shrugged trilogy trilogy. Like, every movie has everybody recasted each time. Yeah, because it gets lower budget each time. <laughs> well, like, fuck those movies. But no, like, I, I kind of got a side with Sam on this, though. Like, really, honestly, the only trilogies I can think of that are just, like, the perfect example of the perfect movie trilogy would pretty much be Lord of the Rings and OG Star Wars. Like, like OG Star Wars is usually held up as the trilogy. But no, I would say Lord of the Rings is right alongside it for sure yeah, and it's just it, it works together so well i yeah. say i th- i certainly think lord of the rings surpasses star wars as far as like tight trilogies go because i mean like yeah as much as like return of the jedi it does kind of like falter there a little bit a little but i mean not enough to be not enough still, to be bad of course i love them all there's a reason yeah. why lord of the rings is number one on empire's like top 33 trilogies list nice i should take yeah. a look at that trilogy yeah some, same that sometimes so yeah and uh so it's the last podcast of 2020. Yeah. 2021. Shit, Jesus. And 2021. It, I know. And I'm f- still processing that we're I'm still out processing of 2021. Yeah. I'm still processing 2020, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? This has been a fucking kick ass trilogy to revisit. This is great. This is I've had a lot of fun going back through all these trilogies we've gone through this year. You know, we originally started recording Triptych back in March, like late March, April, intending. For MonsterVerse to be just ahead of or right after the release of Godzilla vs. Kong, which of course we didn't hit that. Yeah, we missed that one. Ended up coming out in July, I think. But now we are looking forward to a whole 12-month year of Triptych episodes every year. And I gotta say, the first episode we have officially settled on for 2022 is so cool for me, personally, for nostalgic reasons. It makes me want to scream 
<laughs> so yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see you guys in 2022. Back with more horror. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> thank you uh, if anybody listened this year. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yes, yeah, so to all the people who have listened and shared and commented and liked the the, the show. We shout out to John Long, Tom Ford, two people who definitely listen to the show. Shout out to my dad for making the theme song. Absolutely. And you know, like we we have so many ideas going. Like when when we before we rolled on the first episode we put together an entire huge ass list of both established trilogies like lord of the rings like star wars which we will eventually cover at some point we're not in a big hurry to do that one since fucking everyone does it but Uh in addition to movies like that we've also got other curated trilogies like sam's batman trilogy that we did back in october or like other little self-contained trilogies within wider stories like i want to do stuff like that more like just like you know florida crime movies stuff like that yeah or like you know like self-contained trilogies within wider things like we will be doing friday the 13th at some point oh there's like three good trilogies yeah friday the 13th we also because next year is a major movie milestone next year is the 60th anniversary of the james bond franchise so we will 100 percent be covering some james bond throughout 2022 yeah we're gonna start with the sean connery's with those and i yeah. for one think to like celebrate if we like make it to like 12 episodes of episode 12 we celebrate by revisiting godzilla because there's a ton of trilogies in the godzilla series i'd like i'd like to do, do. that I would like to do that at yeah, some if point. Yeah, uh, if we make it to the year mark, we'll do another Godzilla one. That mm-hmm. sounds great. Yeah. But for now, where do we follow us, guys? Oh, well, you can follow us at Team Insomniac Films on Instagram and Twitter. And we uh, we also have our own individual handles that you can check us out on. Uh, you can follow my artwork on Big Boss Tune on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow my ramblings about metal and radio and metal radio at at Briggs underscore Metal Revolution. And you're going to be doing the tol- couple Tolkien show too. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and throw it out there. So by the time this episode airs, the show will have already passed. This uh, gave me the idea to go and program a, uh, a block of Tolkien-themed metal for my next show after this recording date, but it's a precursor to what I am planning for next year. At some point in the springtime, I'm going to say, is my target. I'm going to be doing an entire two-hour Tolkien metal show, so, so that'll be pretty fun. If you could help us out, you could make a Spotify playlist that we could Oh, well, I do, I, do, I, do, yes. uh, I do a weekly Spotify playlist okay, for perfect. the show. Okay, yeah, perfect, so we'll, so, yeah. we'll link the Spotify playlist to this episode Hell yeah. with some of the Tolkien songs. That sounds really cool. Yeah, because uh, it really runs the gamut from everything from, like, grimy, like, black and death metal shit to, like, squeaky clean power metal. Like. Squeaky clean metal. Yeah. <laughs> and smelly folk metal. <laughs> this has been fun, guys. We'll happy see. holidays and a happy like Lord of the Rings celebration. Happy Lord all. of the Rings miss. Yeah, guys, watch these movies on HBO if they're still there. The, the extended editions are there. I'm going to check them out. These are these are just fun movies to watch with loved ones. This yeah. is the real spirit of Christmas right here. And we will And also, you know, another one if you want to check out Matrix trilogy, I'm about to dive into. Oh fuck yeah! I'm so excited new ones for Matrix Resurrections. Soon. But uh, but in the meantime though, we've got another trilogy to cover for next month because I'm gonna be out of town at the end of the month. So 
with that, we will see you guys in January with the Scream trilogy. Fuck yes. All right. This has been Triptych, guys. Happy holidays. We'll see you next year. Use safe sex and smoke weed. Uh.